This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can bring up anything. Just dial toll-free 1-800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. And it's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, they're totally free. So enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. We start things out by going right to your phone calls. That's the point of the show. Let's start with Jeff in New Jersey on the amp line. Hello, Jeff. Hey, how are you guys doing? Um, Great. What's on your mind? I called, I told you that uh, I had this little arrogant incident down here and it made my wife want to move up to New Hampshire, or at least agree to. The air, wait, wait, arrogant or air gun? Air gun, air air rifle. Gotcha. Yes, New Jersey where not even uh, harmless air rifles are legal. I mean, it's very difficult to have these things, right? Uh, Yeah, I mean, you've got to go through the same process that you would to buy, like, (laughs) An SKS or a regular handgun or a rifle, you know what I mean? So crazy. <laughs> yeah, uh, I know. So, right. um, anyways, so I I went ahead and uh, signed up for the Free State Project as a result of all this crap. Excellent. Congratulations. All right, thanks. And, uh, you know, I'm planning on coming up to the Liberty Forum, and I think it's going to be a good time. But I listened to an old podcast, and one of your callers had said that all these veterans act like we owe them something, and I don't think that's correct because I am a veteran, and I do feel like I am owed, but I only feel like I'm owed for what I signed my name on a contract for. I don't feel like anybody owes it to me to come and say, hey, you know, thanks for signing up for something I didn't want to do or anything like that. You know, I mean, I signed up for six years, and in the return, I get the GI Bill, so... Yeah, I think I think you should. Uh, the government should give you uh, everything it said, and it's uh, you know it's, it advertised that it was going to give you. And I know that sometimes it's difficult to get that. Um, I don't know what the specific incident is, but um, I, I can I can tell can tell you that sometimes callers will call and they'll they'll say, and you know they'll, they'll mention uh, relatively early on in their call that they served in the military, and that's my cue to say, well, thanks, you're a great American. Thanks you know, for your service. Uh, you know that—that's the talk show. You know the Republican talk show yeah. host cue to <laughs> say, Hannity. "God bless you, man. <laughs> You're the best." No, I mean I—I I don't feel like that at all. I don't, you know. And if people say, "Oh, thank you for serving," then now I'm like, you know, I didn't—I didn't serve you at all. I didn't do anything for you or for your freedom or my freedom. I mean, I basically worked in a bureaucracy for six years that disgusted me enough to the point where I don't want anything to do with it now. You know. Yep. Let me put, let me posit a, a an unlikely scenario, but but a possible scenario, at least unlikely in the near future. Uh, when you're in the military, they promise you that you're going to get taken care of as far as health care is concerned for the rest of your life, as as I understand it. And so, what if the federal government completely dissolves, folds, something terrible happens, or that results in just the complete dismemberment of the federal government, and then all of the VA hospitals, uh, presumably, they'll shut down. I don't know how that'll. I don't know how things will change, but let's presume they shut down. At that point, you've been promised something that you can't possibly, uh, at that point, get. Would you feel indignant? Would you feel upset about it, or would you just move on? As far as the VA hospitals, I wouldn't give a crap. I don't. The only thing that I'm, uh, and actually, I'm not even currently using is the GI Bill right now. I'm, I'm paying for school out of my own pocket. Just, mm-hmm. For other reasons, but I mean, I don't have any interest in going. To, a VA hospital is 
a horribly slow, inefficient. It's socialized healthcare, right there. It sure it's is. A great example. And even the medical care that you get in the Navy is, or well, in the Navy, but any military branch is socialized medicine. And that's actually one of the points that I brought up to my wife um, about why this this uh, form of government we have now and that we're going more towards is a completely bad idea. Um, just a little anecdote from socialized medicine there. She got bit on the neck by a spider when she was covered by my military health care. Mm-hmm. And she tried to get a doctor's appointment. And they said, okay, we'll see you two and a half weeks from Friday. And it's like, you know. <laughs> a spider bite. It just happened. Yeah, the spider bite's <laughs> going to be better by then, right? Yeah. And, it, you know, what if it got drastically worse? Yeah, it could. Yeah, that's true. It could go the other way. Well, you're yeah. lucky. You're lucky they didn't try to amputate. <laughs> yeah, I know what you're saying. But, I mean, we. So then they said, if you want faster treatment, you have to go to the urgent care section. And so we did that, mm. and we were there for four hours. And she was like, "Screw it, let's go home." You know. So. Yep. Go yeah, home. Go to go home. Go to web. Good. Go to webmd.com and look up some home remedies for spider bites. Probably take care of it. Yeah, but I don't know, man. If the federal government dissolves right now, then. I turn around and go home and be like, well, let's just go up to New Hampshire right now, you know? Thanks for the call uh, tonight, Jeff. Good hearing from you, and see you in New Hampshire. 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. Since we're talking about the military, I had uh, just a kind of a little news item in my prep from, from last night about, I guess, one of the areas where the candidates disagree, which one of the, what, three the areas few, or yeah. something? Uh, but apparently it's on the issue of national service. Not national service exactly, but signing up for the draft. Now, I'm not sure why it is that the selective service has become a campaign issue. That alone, I think, is kind of disturbing, the fact that they're talking about the selective service. The, the article I don't actually have in front of me at the moment, but essentially it started out by saying, now both candidates agree that we don't need a draft. However. But... Uh, Obama believes that we need to start uh, having women sign up for the selective service, while McCain says he doesn't think that should happen. And so that's what the uh, the article was all about: was how you know diff- drastically different uh, the uh, the candidates were on this one particular issue. You and, know, I, I suppose it could be entirely um, innocent, but it it raises my antenna too. Mm-hmm. Anytime they talk about the selective service, here's this dinosaur of a program that hasn't been of any use since the draft went out in what seventy six. That's I, what I, its point is: is is to prepare for the draft. That's, so you've got it, this more than thirty year old bureaucracy out there, which I hope they're not paying these people very much to do whatever I it is that don't, they do. I don't I think know, but I don't think draft board members because they still meet. I think they're, or they're still on call. You know, they're still there. Um, even though they're not, I looked into. I think they're. I don't think they're really paid. Or I looked much. into this at one point, and and it, it's essentially appointees locally that I, I don't think get 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 paid either. But um, I'm sure that they, you know, they they have somebody out there somewhere that that can whip up these boards that's getting paid. Um, but. I, 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 it, it disturbs me any time yeah. they mention it. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it goes back to the National Service discussion, I guess the forum that they had on September 11th, which we discussed uh, to quite an extent on this program. And we know that both of these candidates support the idea of national service. And we understand that the, all the proposals on the table basically say that national service will come in two flavors. 
you will either serve in the military or you'll serve in some sort of alternative governmental bureaucracy like the Department of Homeland Security or Peace Corps or AmeriCorps or something like that. And so we know that these guys, both of these men, have intentions to put as many young people in America through these uh, national service programs, these government bureaucracies, essentially bureaucratizing the entirety of America's youth. And My uncle said that he, he felt he was lucky to get out of the Air Force with his ambition left. I mean, wow. he, he felt like it was going to, you know, uh, that being in there four years was, was close enough to just suck it all out of him. Yeah, so we know that's all on the table and that both candidates support that. So now they're trying to, I guess, differentiate uh, one another. You know, uh, one candidate wants all women to register for selective service while the other one doesn't. I don't think that's really going to make a difference in the long run as far as, you know, what will happen with national service, even if – even if McCain gets elected and, indeed, women are not forced to register for the selective service, that doesn't mean that they won't be forced into the national service program when the time comes. So I really think the, the difference there is just kind of a, a surface difference. It's really nothing critical at all that people should even be paying attention to. I didn't really bring up the issue to talk about how the two candidates disagree. I wanted to bring it up because... People are talking about the selective service, and for whatever reason, this has become an issue. And I think that whenever somebody's talking about the selective service, we need to be paying attention because it's very strange that they would even bring up such a, as you say, Mark, this a decrepit old uh, governmental bureaucracy. Yeah, it it hasn't been used in more than thirty years. What's it there for? Weren't they trying to? Why fill do the... they still have the selective service? Well, wasn't there a news story like a, a year or so ago where they were actually trying to fill draft board positions? Again? It's been more than a year. Yeah, a little while back. Anyway, it's just kind of been popping up from time to time, rearing its ugly, drafty head. And, of course, we know both of the candidates claim to not support the draft. But, again, we also know that politicians will say one thing and do something completely different. Sacrifices must be made, so you know. just wait and see. More coming up. You can take control. And if the draft does come about, will you obey? 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. Talk Live. You can bring up what you want. Just dial toll-free 1-800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com, and the features there include updates. We will uh, keep you in the loop whenever there's something you need to know about Free Talk Live. Just head over to updates.freetalklive.com. Get on the list for free. That's updates. .freetalklive.com and advance liberty at the local or national level through summer uh, through a summer internship at the Coke Summer Fellow Program. The pl- uh, program pr- places libertarian and free market students and recent graduates at organizations in Washington, D.C. and at state-based think tanks across the country. All positions are paid and include a housing and travel allowance as well as multiple career workshops throughout the summer. Visit libertarianinternships.com for more information. That's libertarianinternships.com. Our number here, 800-259-9231. We go to your phone calls about whatever you want. It's Mark in Ohio. You are on Free Talk Live. Hello, Mark. Uh, Hi there. I've got a question. I was surfing the web last night, and I come across uh, something about the Yellowstone National uh, Park and then some other parks and some other historical sites that we as Americans don't own them anymore. It's the U.N. There was something about a treaty 
in 72 with the U.N. Well, I, that may all be true. I don't know. Uh, certainly governments have written a lot of things down on pieces of paper over the years, and it can be very difficult to sort of track which one is the case and which one isn't today. But I don't know about the whole idea that governments can own anything. I think that's kind of fallacious. And when you say we, I think you meant the U.S. government, uh, in which case... If that's the case, the the government, whether it's the U.S. government or the U.N. claiming ownership over a piece of land, I don't think it's valid because those are organizations that, that essentially do business at the threat of violence. And so anybody that's doing business at the threat of violence cannot legitimately own anything, in my opinion, because it was uh, ill-gotten gains. You know, in the same way that if I come and steal your uh, your bicycle from you at gunpoint and then take it down the street uh, to my house, it is still not my bike. It's still your bike. Um, so, no, I don't think the U.N. owns that property, and I don't think the U.S. government owns that property. As far as I'm concerned, it's unowned, unhomesteaded land. Your thoughts? Okay. What I had saw was they have troops, foreign troops, out there on uh, the uh, yeah, Yellow National Park. And You actually saw this with your own two eyes or saw a story I'm, on the Internet? I saw the story on the Internet. And, and I what was the source? what you guys know about it. What was the source uh, on your story? There was a union, or there was troops, foreign troops, that was out there uh, protecting the place. And if you came on the property, you could be arrested or shot or whatever. So that, that's well, what it said. I'm not, I'm not. I'm not sure about the particular story. I've seen videos that claim this on Google Video. I've been hearing it for years that there's uh, foreign troops well, here and foreign troops foreign, there. Foreign troops yeah. do... I mean, there is enough evidence. Foreign troops do train in the United States. United Nations troops have trained in the United States. And the United Nations does... Um, there are a number of parks and historic sites um, that the U.S. government has designated, along with the U.N., they've designated them um, U.N., Sites. I don't. They're cultural sites or historical mm-hmm. sites or something like that. Um, to make the leap to say that there are, you know, UN soldiers training in Yellowstone, um, that sounds like a bit of a leap to me. I've got to ask but, what the source is. Do you recall, sir? Uh, if you would just punch in who owns Yellow State Park, and I forget the lady's name who wrote the story. Do, is there footage, video footage, or photographic uh, evidence? No. No. Then just, what you've got uh, is a website making a claim, and it's really, I mean, it, it's an interesting yeah. claim, but it needs verification. I thank you for the call. Good luck finding right. that, because uh, there have been a lot of claims. Like you say, there have been a if, lot of claims about this over the years, and very yeah. little evidence. If you do if you do go, um, I, I can't remember the exact website. If you go to Google Video, um, you can find some videos that do offer actual documentation, and there are some things in there that look kind of suspicious. How much there is to it, I don't know. Um to me, it just looks like the like there are some parks where they're keeping a lot of military vehicles, or you know, Department of Transportation sites where they're keeping a lot of military vehicles. It might just be that the Department of Defense is trying to keep some of its budget off book. That's what it looked like to me. I mean, the government does that; they hide things. I mean, they can shuffle mm-hmm. things around, and um, whether it's part of some insidious plot or a slightly less insidious plot to just hide where they're spending tax dollars. Um, you know, these things do happen. How much there is to it, I don't know. You I'm have to suspicious take it with a grain of, of salt. I'm suspicious of the uh, you know troops guarding our our national parks thing. But you know, I have heard about the uh, the UN being given our parks, and who knows what kind of treaty and what the the statements the treaty made. But it really brings up this point that you can't trust the government with anything <laughs> because we gave 
you know, parks like Yellowstone, which is, it really is, a, it's a global treasure. If you go to Yellowstone, you'll see colors in those uh, little molds that are growing in those geysers that you've never seen before. It's amazing. When hmm. I was there, I was truly touched on a spiritual level. And wow. some jackass thought it was a good idea to give it to the government because mm-hmm. they'll protect it. No, they won't. You know, when it comes to the Sierra Club or the Audubon Society, when uh, Ducks Unlimited, when, you, when people give land to these organizations, they have contracts. When you give land to the government, it's gone. They'll do whatever the hell they want with it. This is true. Just look at Anwar. You know, there was a great story in Dr. Mary Roart's book, Healing Our World, about Yellowstone Park and how it, at one time the bureaucrats there made just tragic decisions in regards to controlling different different animal populations and they they basically messed with the natural ecosystem because they determined that one particular uh, animal was undesirable and I don't have the story in front of me at the moment but it was just amazing watching all the the unintended consequences that resulted as far as the destruction that happened to the natural way of things as far as what animals were eating what animals and that sort of thing because the bureaucrats got in there and they meddled you know just like they meddle in other countries with other people they meddled with the poor animals animals at Yellowstone Park, and the results were a disaster, of course. This is what government does. Right? Anytime you turn anything over to the government, anytime. It's like the reverse Midas touch. Anything they touch just turns to utter crap. crap. We continue with your calls. Dave is on the line in Montana. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Dave. Howdy. Hey, Yellowstone may put an end to all of it anyway because it blows up every 600,000 years and it kills the Earth. It's the biggest volcano on Earth. It? Right now, Yellowstone Lake has risen... The bottom of the lake risen three feet. It's swelling up. It's 50,000 years late, too. But anyway, hmm. punch in. Never heard such a thing. Punch in UN Treaty UNESCO. That's what that guy's talking about. The UNESCO Treaty. They got a plaque up here right outside of Glacier National Park. It's part of the Y to Y corridor that they're going to be putting in. But that's. That's part of the UNESCO Treaty. The Y to Y corridor? What's what's the corridor going to do? Yucatan to the Yukon. They're going to make a natural corridor for the animals. Well, how are they going to make a natural corridor? Punch in UNESCO Treaty. If man is making it, it's not really considered natural, in my opinion. But anyway, I I called up about the civil service thing. By the way, I'd like to suggest that uh, those UN signs, those are, I think, okay to, to vandalize. Well, they did. They ripped it out about five times. That's good. And then there's talk about there's U.N. troops around here, too, because we're, I'm like in the backyard of a Glacier National Park. Dave, I know you were calling for a different reason. Hang on. We're going to bring you back for more. More with Dave and your calls as well. If you dial in toll-free, 1-800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can bring up anything. Gold confiscation, is it coming again? We'll talk about that tonight and take your calls about anything. 1-800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free, but if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want. Just dial toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And it's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are totally free, so enjoy those on us. 
Again, freetalklive.com. The features include live streams. We've got a broadband version of the show, dial-up version, webcam. Head over and enjoy all those at listen.freetalklive.com. That's listen.freetalklive.com. Authors of the Quick and Dirty Guide to War talk about current and future conflicts around the world. And Joseph Simonet, Real World, discusses real-world knife fighting all at paladinpodcast.com. Paladinpodcast.com is a service of Paladin Press. You can browse over 900 books and DVDs on topics such as personal and financial freedom, Second Amendment issues, military history, self-defense, and more. Remember, it's paladinpodcast.com. All right, 1-800-259-9231. Back to your phone calls. Dave in Montana, you're back on Free Talk Live. Go ahead, sir. All right, I got two quick, real fast things here. Uh, The civil service and the housing problem, they could help each other out. People are willing to sign their lives away for 30 years for a house, have them sign a six-year civil service contract. They get a two-bedroom, bath and a half, and a little lot when they get off, when they do good. You have people lining up who put the housing market back to work, uh, get logging going again. Yeah, that's all artificial, Dave. You understand that. You're talking about having the government buy. You're talking about people going, working for the government for six years, then they get a free house from the well, government? Well, no. They, they And then part of the civil service could be building the houses and stuff, you know, and logging. Yeah, and I don't want to pay for that. I, I have no objection to putting people, you know, getting helping people get homes for themselves, but I'm not interested in paying for some government make-work right, right. program just a, just in order a, to... Just a, that was just a suggestion. Here, yeah, the, the, there's nothing thing. wrong. Hang on, Dave. There's nothing wrong with with trying to help people out. But when you when you utilize the state uh, to make it happen, then well, it becomes dangerous. People are willing dangerous. to sign their lives away for 30 years to a bank and pay three times as much as that house is worth, so the bank could do that to somebody else. So, you know, it's a it, there's that that's a slavery thing. Too. If you can make that happen, if you can make your idea happen uh, on a voluntary basis, where somehow you find a way to help these people get some crappy little home for themselves, then I think that's great. But if you're involved well, nice, in the state, nice then it's a problem. Nice crappy little homes, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, okay, in the name of the drug war, I discovered that grand larceny is taking place and assault on newborn babies. I was having a home birth. My midwife tells me we got to get to the hospital. Her blood pressure is above my... my uh, legal limit so we get to the hospital have the baby everything's okay i get a six thousand dollar bill i i put three thousand down on it i get the bill in the mail i look in at the bill something costs a thousand dollars like nine hundred twenty seven dollars i look across and it's two drug tests oh wow my wife and one on my newborn son what's all that about i say how come you took a drug test on my Wife, they said that's part of our policy. I said, did you find anything? They said no. I said, then you pay for it. <laughs> then I go to the lab, and that's I find crazy. out the drug tests only cost forty five dollars. Yeah. So I put stop payment and everything. So we go to court and all this crazy. Then I find out whatever's in the mother's blood is in the baby's blood. They just have to take the drug test on the mother, and then if the mother tests positive, then test the baby. They they just did stuck a needle in, in a newborn baby just to wow. charge $500. That's some pretty craziness, man. So anyway, I go to court four years later. I represent myself. I figured a judge is going to help me against these thieveries. Good luck. The judge 
says, no, you pay. So I don't pay. Now it's 13 years later. I got like this $8,000 bill, and the, the interest is so much, I can't get out from under it. So I, I suggest <laughs> to the collection agency that I want to go to jail and pay them off because I won't be able to pay the interest. I won't be able to get out from under the interest, right? So the only way I could be free is go to jail for, what, 100 days, 50 bucks a day or whatever, you know, do my time, then I get out a free man. But in any other way, I'm going to be paying this bill off from them ripping me off to begin with. And I, I, I say it's illegal search and seizure. It's a yeah. on a newborn baby. In the name it's of the wrong. drug war, they're, they're in cahoots with the medical society. What would have happened if she tested off. positive? What would have been the results of the a positive uh, result on that test? Would they have arrested your wife? Would she have been forced know. into treatment? I don't know. It's it's just it's just such a sham and, and such tyranny. Stay I, out of hospitals. I think the one thing and, you can and, say and to I'm people. I'm wondering if anybody knows what I could do because. <laughs> I, mean, I, don't, you know, I don't know, Mark. There's there's a time when to go to hospitals and time not. I, I, what, what can you do? I don't know. I you know, Dave. I it's it's a really tough situation. You know, if they've got your number, they've got I'd it. Say we should have debtor jails then. Then I could get out from under their tyranny. Well, man. you can, you can do a you can do a debtor's jail cell, situation. You can make your own debtor's jail situation by fi- finding some low wage uh, job to work part time well, after work. that's what I'm work. doing now. I got to do that now to stay out of their grasp because they don't they don't like spending money to get nothing from a rock. You know what I mean? You know? Yeah. Good luck, Dave. Let us know how that turns out for you. I'm sorry to hear the story, and yet it really another reason. Sucks, but I, I don't see how he can get out of paying. And yet I mean, another reason to not have your baby in a hospital. You and your wife, uh, Laura, Mark, you guys had yours in uh, one of well, those birthing centers. Yeah, right? I, I agree that it's, they don't do it's crap best. like that there. Right? They didn't. They my my child was injected. They, nothing was taken, um, put in or taken out of my baby. But um, you can't always make those decisions. Uh, you know, the, the 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 midwife said that the blood pressure was going high and. You know, sometimes you got to go to hospitals for that. It's just a shame that uh, it, it's, it really sucks. Is there a way to go to a hospital and tell them, look, uh, I'm sorry, I don't consent to you doing whatever the hell you want to. I'd like you to ask me for approval on every single thing you want to do. I think you can say that. Um, you, it, it, likely, if he would have said, look, nothing is taken, in, um, you know, put into or taken out of the baby. But you remember, this was like 13 years ago. Yeah. The whole home birth thing wasn't very popular back then. Uh, I, I don't know that he would have had much luck, honestly. I mean, it, it could <laughs> – likely the judge would have said, Boy, are you crazy? You're tr- endangering the life of that child. You know, uh, things well, there were different. there a then. judge there. I'm just wondering if you're a, cl- a client of the hospital, normally they want you to just sign off and, okay, you agree to whatever we decide to do to you. Is there a way to say, well, I'd like you to treat me, but I want you to, to confer with me before you do anything at all well that's what i did with the hospital that uh, we, we were looking at having uh the, the child in the hospital but mm-hmm. uh you know fortunately managed to find this midwife and you know that's what i told them you know look nothing gets taken out of or put in the baby without my consent so that just so it works so they said okay right they didn't hear okay, i mean you know it's it's one hospital one place I guess, I mean, the, most people don't think to do something like that when they go to the hospital, and so if you were to make a stand like that, they still want your business, and so I think you'd think they'd be likely to say yes to that. 
I mean, I guess if you came in with something and you had something written down, maybe a, pre, uh, a pre-signed agreement or, or well, maybe modified their agreement or something like that. Or, there might be certain things that are required to do. Though. I mean, they might be able to say, okay, but we can't treat – I mean, I'm not sure how it works, but especially in the situation of dealing with newborns, there might be some things that hospitals are required to do. By I'm not, law? It, I'm sure it depends on the state. And yeah. I, you know, I'm, not, I'm just speculating here, but – I, I have a feeling that there are certain things they're supposed to do. Well, then um, they could at least come to me and say, well, we have to do this, this, and this. I want to see in advance. In New I Hampshire, you're not, they're not required to do anything. They, they have policies. They have uh, recommendations. The government gets involved, but they, they don't have any, um, you know, it's not, it's, it, they, they don't have to. The parent can say no. So, uh, Is that different in different states, though? I mean, I'm sure that it's different in different states. Uh, you know, <laughs> it wouldn't hurt to ask, though, right? It wouldn't If you're going into right. the hospital I mean, to ask them for that level of service. It's certainly worth a shot, and sometimes you have to go to the hospital. So if you have to go you, and you're still with it enough to, yeah. <laughs> to think of that, then certainly tell them to confer with you before doing it. And I'm not saying that that's the right thing to do, That you know, because I said I'm not going to put anything um, in or take anything out of the baby, that that's necessarily the right thing to do for everyone. I don't know. That's the decision uh, my wife and uh, I made for my child. I'm not saying that that's what you need to do. You need to do research yourself. Toll-free number is 1-800-259-9231. Are they going to confiscate gold again? It's a possibility, at least says one author. We'll get to that here in a moment to talk to you as well. 800-259-9231. If they do come for the gold, where's yours? Where are you keeping it? Is it in a bank? Safe deposit box? Might not want to keep it there. 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything. Just dial toll-free. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are free. And if you like the show want to help support Free Talk Live, we need you to vote for us please go to vote.freetalklive.com cast your vote for the show we're in first place i believe but just barely so we need you if you've yet to vote in this month of october head over to vote.freetalklive.com it makes a big difference for us us keeping uh, keeping us up on the uh, podcastalley.com top 10 chart means more new people coming across this program listening to free talk live and being exposed perhaps for the very first time perhaps again to the message of freedom and liberty so cast your vote at vote.freetalklive.com. Uh, again, 800-259-9231 is our number. We go to your phone calls and talk to Nigel in excuse me, Nigel in New York. You are on Free Talk Live on the amp line. Hi. So I saw a story today that said that Australia had been planning for a while to introduce an Internet filtering scheme that, you know, was going to protect the children from the evils of sexuality and certain words that they can't hear. Yeah. But – it came out pretty recently that actually nobody will be able to opt out of the thing. And there will just be a blacklist for illegal sites and then a blacklist for illegal sites and things we don't want children to see. So let me see if I'm understanding you correctly. You're saying that both of those blacklists, all Australians will be forced to uh, to not be able to access those websites? Well, if you want to, you'll still be able to access porn, basically. You won't. 
you won't be able to access whatever the Australian government determines is illegal. Illegal. So if they determine that the Pirate Bay is illegal, that will be blacklisted. If they determine that bomb-making instructions might be illegal, that will be blacklisted. So who knows what sort of... I mean, I don't know what the laws are like down there in Australia. I know that in Canada, for instance, there are laws against um, offensive speech. So if offensive speech is illegal, then certainly all all manner of websites could become uh, blacklisted. No saying mean things on the Internet. Right. Rachel, yeah. any other thoughts on that? Uh, no, not really. Just wanted to bring it up. Mm. Um, thought on a site that at least looks legit, infoworld.com. So yeah, I see it here uh, from a Netherlands. Article. Yeah, I pulled it up here from a Netherlands uh, website. I thank you for giving us the heads up on that because I had not heard about it. And thank you for the call tonight. Uh, because censorship around the world is a disturbing topic. The more countries decide to censor the Internet, the more likely others will join, follow suit. And it's pretty crazy and outrageous. But will they be able to keep up? That's the question. I mean, as far as the, the sites, as far as blocking well, there's them, just such a volume of information. I mean, you take one site down, you right. you know, three or four new sites can pop up. So it seems like they they can certainly try, but they're gonna have. I think they're gonna have some trouble in actually implementing it. Sure, but it, it what it does is it keeps the public at large. Look, for instance, uh, keep them in the dark. Yeah, it, it does because I I know that ex- once existed a um you know site called Napster that gave away that you could get free music from, and then something came after that called like eDonkey, and mm-hmm. I, I'm sure that there was there there've been there were some others uh, I recall, but. I don't know now where one could go to get uh, downloaded music that that you know wasn't paid for as far as uh, you know licensing and stuff like that. I don't know. Likely Ian does because Ian's farther in this you know continuum of technology than I am. So what it does is it keeps the the average guy right. Likely someone like me in the event of this blacklisting would be able to figure out some way to anonymize myself and, and get around the lists. I mean certainly those. Internet people that really know their stuff will have no problem getting around these uh, blacklists. But like you say, Mark, the vast majority, you know, the 95 plus percent of the Internet browsing world will be completely flummoxed as to what to do about this. And I think it's pretty disturbing. Here's what WebWorld has to say, WebWorld.nl, Netherlands. Australians will be unable to opt out of the government's pending Internet content filtering scheme and will instead be placed on a watered-down blacklist under the government's $125 million plan for cyber safety. Users can switch between two blacklists, which block content inappropriate for children, and a separate list, which blocks illegal material. So this is interesting because the original idea here was to protect the children. The original idea here was to put everybody on this uh, blacklist, and then if you want to opt out, you can. So all Internet service providers, and remember the last time we talked about this was was several months back, I think earlier this year, where all Internet service providers would be mandated by the Australian government to force all of their customers onto the, the child protection blacklist, and then the customers could decide, hey, take me off this list, which of course is absolutely asinine because... There are so many different uh, pieces of software out there that parents can go and purchase for as little as, I think, 20 or 30 bucks that are constantly updated. You talk about updating the list, Nick. You can better believe that a private company whose reputation is on the line and who actually has paying clients to make happy is going to do a better job of taking those naughty websites off of the, or adding naughty websites to their filtering scheme. So the best way to protect kids was already out there in the marketplace for any parents that were looking for that. 
And so this is, again, the government stepping in where it was completely not necessary and saying, well, we're going to handle this for all those parents who aren't responsible enough to take care of their kids and keep them away from porn or whatever else it is. And it opened the door for them to do even more, which is exactly what they're doing. But to me, it seems like it's going to be harder to outlaw or black if they try to implement this in the United States. It's going to be harder to blacklist sites as possessing illegal material. Because for the most part in the United States, it's not illegal to actually possess, say, instructions to make a bomb, at least as far as I'm aware of. Um, Possibly uh, a post that incites people to violence or, um, you know, they could child pornography. They might kind of crack down on pornography in general. But for the most part, it seems like the United States still has fewer restrictions on political speech. There's not hate speech legislation. There's not really dangerous information legislation as far as I'm aware of, even with all of the anti-terrorism legislation. It'll probably come about. But um, thankfully, I think we're in a somewhat better position than many other countries like By we, you must mean the people in this room, because this is an international radio program that's listened to all over the world, and we have a lot of Australian listeners who probably find this very disturbing. I, they should. I, I can't think of the circumstances that would, um, that, you know, would come about that I would need bomb-making material. However, isn't it as a possibility? Wait, that did you I, say bong or bomb? Bomb. Either way, they'll probably both be. Uh, I think you can make uh, a, uh, uh, a, a marijuana pipe out of a, like a potato or an apple. So oh, sure, I, you, you know, can. Yeah, big yeah. deal. Um, but, but you still need instructions for that. Stuff. I mean, some people do. I suppose um, bomb making material, but I I think that there is a possibility out there somehow that I might need to I might need this mm-hmm. th- in some scenario. And shouldn't I, a law abiding citizen who doesn't want to blow up some federal building or kill people that innocent people, shouldn't I be able to access? Bomb-making material? I think you you should. Like, uh, instructions? All right, so the rest of the story here. The government will iron out policy and implementation of the Internet content filtering software following an upcoming trial of the technology, according to the Department of Broadband communications in the digital economy their bureaucrat says the this is the other be... problem with by the way local governments getting involved in uh, you, you, internet access for the people everybody deserves to have broadband internet access right but Here's they only get problem. to only get to uh, they deserve the access but they only get to access what we say they can access right uh, Tim Marshall says the filters will be mandatory for all Australians. He says Labor's plan for cyber safety will require ISPs to offer a clean feed Internet service to all homes, schools, and public Internet points accessible by children. The upcoming field plot will look at various aspects of filtering, including effectiveness, ease of circumvention, the impact on Internet access, speeds, and costs. ISPs contacted by Computer World say blanket content filtering will cripple Internet speeds because the technology is not up to scratch. So that's good news, huh? Not only are you going to not be able to access the sites you might want to access because they'll be deemed illegal, but according to the experts, it's going to cripple speed. So say goodbye to broadband and uh, say hello to half broadband or quarter broadband or something like that. The Department of Broadband has suddenly become the Department of Dial-Up. The upcoming field pilot, uh, blah, 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 online libertarians say the blacklist could be expanded to censor material such as euthanasia, drugs, and protest. Internet network engineers say many users falsely believe the opt-out proviso will remove content filtering. He says users can opt out of the additional material blacklist referred to in a department press release, which is a list of things unsuitable for children, but there is no opt-out for the illegal content. That is the way testing was formulated, the way upcoming live trials will be run, blah, blah, blah. Illegal is illegal. And if there's infrastructure in place to block it, then it will be required to be blocked. End of story. 
And there you go. If you're in Australia, I'd like to comment, 800-259-9231. I'm not sure as far as the time frame on this. doesn't really say here when they're going to put this into effect. So enjoy your freedom while you still have it. So essentially, all the safeguards have been stripped away to keep Australia's internet from becoming China's internet. I mean, it's just really a matter of yeah. whether the government decides to blacklist certain protests. And they probably won't blacklist all protest groups they'll just the ones they don't like yeah well whoever's in uh, whoever's in power at that moment will get to blacklist whatever they want to blacklist and then whoever gets power next will blacklist some more websites and will they remove the other ones from the blacklist probably not unless it's their movements protest right. groups and right. then they probably will toll free number here 800-259-9231 that's the SACL CAI toll free line and what will the penalty be if you're discovered circumventing the blacklist jail time Hour two's coming up. It's Free Talk Live. You ever have one of those days where everything goes right? First, I get the best parking space at work. Tonight, I have a date with a very lovely Rachel. And today, I gave a killer presentation in Sydney. Finalized the contract in London and demoed our new product in Boston. Online, from my desk, with WebEx. WebEx lets me take meetings and give presentations from my desk. I just talk to clients on the phone, and they watch what's happening on my desktop from their desktop. So I can travel the world and still be here for my date tonight with Rachel. Travel less, meet online. Go to WebEx.com and try WebEx free. Just click the radio graphic and enter promo code 600 to get a free trial and a free webcam, too. Remember that code 600 to qualify for the free webcam. WebEx, now part of Cisco and used by more than 5.5 million people every month. Give it a try, free. Go to WebEx.com and enter the promo code 600. WebEx.com. Free webcams available while supplies last. Terms and restrictions apply. See website for details. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything if you dial toll-free, 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's 800-259-9231, and it's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are free. Enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. As we roll right into your phone calls, it's the point of the show. We talked to Stephen in Colorado. You are on Free Talk Live. Hello, Stephen. Hello. Um, last night I was going to talk about Washington a little bit. Um, uh, when I was in middle school, I learned that Washington was so humble that he, uh, upon being nominated president of the United States, he was asked, well, how should we address you? And he said, well, Mr. President will suffice. And, you know, of course, we all thought how great he was, you know, being so humble, uh, because, you know, clearly he could have just become a king, a monarch. But uh, Could of course he? of homeschooling. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Okay. I, it, the, the, the legend goes that, in fact, uh, George Washington could have been uh, named king. Huh. Yeah, and, exactly. That's that's what we hear. In fact, uh, supposedly Hamilton wanted him to become a king. Uh, I haven't uh, gotten any confirmation of that yet. But uh, in the course of uh, homeschooling my daughter, I learned from Ralph Rako, the uh, historian and Mises uh, associate. Um, that's Mises and Auburn, the uh, the mm-hmm. group in Auburn. What are they called? Mises The University, Mises Institute, yes. Institute, yeah. Um, uh, Ralph Rako says that, in fact, Washington proposed that he be called his mightiness the president of the United <laughs> States and wow. uh, was laughed in his face by the, uh, by the Speaker of the House, whom he never forgave. And I just – that's just one more thing from the, that I learned in the public schools – that I'd find out isn't true. 
in my adulthood, in my adult years. I mean, it's just one more thing, you know, Pearl Harbor. Uh, Wait a minute, you're the, saying, let me see if I'm understanding you, you're saying that uh, what they taught you in government school was that Washington said, call me Mr. President, whereas in reality you're saying he said he wanted to be called His Mightiness Mr. President. His Mightiness, the President, the President. of the United States of America. Yeah. Gotcha. And it's just one more thing that I learned yep. in the government schools that turns out to be not even close. In fact, quite the opposite, the exact opposite of, of what actually happened. How interesting and that well, even back then... What about then, the, uh, the part of it where uh, Washington, it's, it's, it was sort of just tradition that presidents stepped down after two terms, um, and obviously Roosevelt uh, didn't stick with that, and then they passed an amendment later. So, I mean, mm-hmm. I always felt like that kind of backed up, that, you know, the fact that Washington stepped down after two terms kind of backed right. up that he didn't, in fact, want to be the king or whatever. Yeah, you know, I I don't know about that. Uh, I do know that he was getting really old and really tired. Uh, He he was not able to sit up straight anymore. You know, when they pose for those portraits, this is what I hear, and I don't know if this is true or not, but you know when they pose for those portraits um, that the the guy who painted him uh, towards the end of his life or the end of his presidency, rather, actually had to sort of make it up that he was sitting up straight when, in fact, he wasn't, Mm -hmm. uh, that he was getting really... Kind of a bit decrepit in his old age, uh, uh, and maybe he was just tired of being president, or maybe he was in fact that humble guy who didn't want to be. Uh, maybe he was humiliated by people laughing in his face for yep. being wanted, wanting to be called his mightiness. <laughs> taught, taught better of it, yeah. Well, interesting. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's interesting looking back and and seeing that back then, uh, obviously there wasn't as much power to be had. They didn't have the mm-hmm. level of control over the people in America at that time. But even then, whatever levels of power they had were enough to attract men who wanted to wield that power. And if what you say mm-hmm. is true about Washington, he sounds like just another one of those guys. I mean, we were just watching last night after the show. Uh, I saw the clip of John McCain actually saying that he aspires to be a dictator. Have you guys seen this one? I haven't. Oh, no, yeah, he I actually admits that. it. He actually admits it. He says, "I've always, I always aspire to be a dictator," in one of wow. his uh, interview clips. And uh, so it's just nothing changes over all the all the years. It's just that now the power is greater, so even more sickos will be attracted to it. I thank you for the call tonight, Stephen. Appreciate right. hearing from you. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. And by the way, just in case someone's tuning in for the first time, I think Obama's a sick power freak too. Just to let you know. It, there's very few people throughout history who've actually gotten in a position of political power and actually tried to use that position to reduce the power of the state. Ron Paul's the only one I can think of. Um, there were, I mean, there were some among the founding fathers who I think you could argue did that. I mean, Jefferson opposed the federal government being formed at all. And but he didn't he got, then go and institute he, an illegal war? Well, um, um, you know, Tripoli declared war on the United States. One of one of these states of Tripoli uh, declared war on um, the United States and the Bar- Bar- Barbary pirates or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one can claim that, well, they declared war on us. Of course, they declared war from North Africa, <laughs> you know. Well, that was in primarily a naval war, wasn't it, yeah, for the most part? So. I, I, well, they landed the Marines. I, I suspect they were they landed them somewhere. Um, the shores of Tripoli is... is from what I understand, so they they went in they went somewhere and took it to somebody. 
Yeah, I mean, certainly Jefferson wasn't perfect himself. I mean, the Louisiana Purchase, as I recall, there was something where he actually spent the money, promised the money before Congress approved it, and it, yeah. It it was, power goes to people's heads. Even if they do does. enter with the best of intentions, many times those intentions can be corrupted, and th- that's why the entire power structure just needs to go away entirely, or at the very least be ignored by those of us who who care about uh, the issues of coercion and, and uh, instituting aggression against our neighbors, which, of course, we don't support. 800-259-9231 is the number. Brian is on the line in Minnesota. You are on Free Talk Live. Hello, Brian. Hey, how you doing? What's on your mind tonight? Um, I do own some gold in my portfolio. I do keep it in a safe deposit box. Uh, do you have a reason why I should not? Well, uh, we're going to get to a story here from LewRockwell.com that talks about the, you know, the chance that gold confiscation could come around again. And you have to ask yourself, if you were the government, where would you go to, uh, to confiscate people's gold? Okay, I'll just wait for the conversation. Oh, well, okay. I mean, you can think about it right now. I mean, if you were the government, where would you go to confiscate gold? You'd go to the gold dealers first and foremost. Uh, you know, you'd go to any sort of gold warehousing location. You would go I'd start to... with the biggest dealers first. I'd try to get on them as quickly as I possibly could. Right. I'd go after uh, the, the smaller dealers after that. And coin then you shops. And, coin uh, shops, yeah. And, and, and then Then you banks. go to the banks. You go to the banks, and all of the banks are lapdogs for the government. So whatever it is... The bank, uh, the government demands the bank, oh, you need to open up all your safe deposit box. We need to search them all, make sure there's no gold or diamonds or whatever it is they're, they're trying to confiscate. And those bank managers will go right in and open them I'm right up. I'm not sure up. that um, with every safe deposit box, not, it doesn't seem like bank uh, managers would be able to open them all. <laughs> what are you talking about? It's been done before. It has been done before. However, if you get the good ones, it's two keys and you have one of them. They have the other key, Mark. Don't, don't fool yourself into believing there's not a spare key key sitting around the bank somewhere. Thank you for the call tonight, Brian. If you've got gold in a safe deposit box, you might want to consider, uh, if you don't want to go too crazy and like bury it somewhere, because obviously you want to have access to it, uh, if you just want to get a safe for yourself and put it somewhere in the basement or something like that, then that's better than having it in a bank, because they can't very easily go door to door. It's much easier for the government to go to central locations where people would be holding valuables and raid those locations. Door to door, people hoarding gold on their own is going to be very, very difficult for them to detect, as far as I can tell. So. It, yeah, I, I don't imagine they would go door to door. Maybe if they I, had a paper trail, they might ask, give you a phone call or something or send you a letter telling you to hand it over But if you still have it. But um, it, there's not a whole – I mean, personally, I know when I've bought precious metals, I've gone directly – to smaller dealers and just bought them in cash <laughs> with the intention yeah. of not leaving a paper trail. I realize that some people who have a lot of assets in gold and silver, uh, there might be some kind of a paper trail to follow, but I wouldn't be so worried about it. I don't think the government's going to go that far out of its way to find them. No, not out, yeah. I wouldn't think right out the uh, right off the bat. I mean, if they're going to yeah. go to that extreme, it'll be after they've gone through all of the other places first, and word probably will have gotten around, and by that time, you could have taken it out if you were worried about them tra- tracking you down, and you could have buried it somewhere or something like that. So, we'll get, in fact, uh, since he requested it, we will get to that story here, but first, we'll talk to Frank in New York. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Frank. Ah, uh, hello, gentlemen. How, How are you mind? doing? What's on your mind tonight, Frank? Go Good. ahead. Good. I wanted to mention... Uh, first of all, that uh, the uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about the uh, bailout and how China now has about 1.4 trillion dollars in uh, you know mortgage uh, is holding mortgages in the United States on residential and commercial property, which makes them one of the biggest uh, owners of America right now. 
Disturbing. And uh, the China Development Bank actually is managing those. We'll which... come back with more. Hang on, Frank. 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line. You can bring up anything. Plus, will gold confiscation come back to America? Why would they bring it back? Well... Man from BlueRockwell.com has a few thoughts. We'll share those with you and take your calls about anything. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, the toll-free number. You can bring up anything. Dial 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it is Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those on us. They include archives. If you've missed a moment of the show, just click and download. They're yours free at freetalklive.com. Travel less, meet online, try WebEx for free. Go to WebEx.com, enter promo code 600, start your free trial of WebEx today. That's WebEx.com, W-E-B-E-X, enter promo code 600, start your free trial, and get a free webcam, WebEx.com. As we continue with your calls, Frank is still on the line in New York. Frank, you're back. Yeah, it's very interesting. The uh, Emergency Economic Stabilization Act of 2008, which was our 770-plus billion dollar bailout uh, for the banks. Uh, right now, China has about $1.4 trillion in, se- in securitized debts, and it's being managed by their Chinese Development Bank, which is, I think, the second largest bank in Asia. It may be the biggest now, but it also works with their central bank. And what's interesting, uh, under the Section 101, Paragraph 7.3, uh, it states that, quote, designating financial institutions as federal agents, the federal government, and such institutions shall perform all such reasonable duties related to this act as financial agents of the federal government as may be required. Now, that what does that mean, part Frank? Where it says such institutions means foreign institutions. What's interesting is that the uh, Chinese, the Chinese Development Bank or the government of China could actually evict individuals living in those properties that can't, you know, complete the mortgage payment, uh, which is most interesting at well, this wouldn't, point. Well, wouldn't anybody holding a mortgage be able to evict somebody yeah. who's a uh, Yeah, but what I wanted to say is this. Usually, like in China, if you were to set up a business in China, you're not allowed to own any property. You're That's not true, is it? Business. I mean, is it only no, for no. business owners? Because weren't they recently allowing people to buy property in China? Chinese people can buy property in China, not foreign. Foreigners. So if you I go see. into business in China, you have to go with the government as a business partner. Okay. And that would be like H.J. Hines uh, setting up a baby food plant in 1981, where they put about 20% of the corporate assets and sent them abroad to do that. And they're in partnership with the Chinese government. So Got what's it. interesting is that... Uh, China learned an important lesson when the British partitioned China and they had the Opium Wars, where the great powers of Europe actually defeated the Chinese government and then took parts of the country and held them uh, until, I guess, uh, Mao and the Second World War. So what's interesting about that is the Chinese learned a very important lesson over the last 250 years about foreign powers uh, coming in, taking their resources and their property. I think mm-hmm. the U.S. will be learning that now. And it's very interesting because $1.4 trillion makes uh, China the largest uh, landowner in the United States of residential of, and corporate property. Okay, residential and corporate. So not including like all the federal land that is out in the West because that's a tremendous amount of land. No, no. I, I'm just talking about right. the, the private debt that they bought. That's why I read that section of the act. 
uh, Section 101, Paragraph 7-3. Well, hey, the uh, debt's up for sale. The Chinese bought it. Uh, that's the way the cookie crumbles, right? And you even read the legislation when they passed that bill on Friday, which really goes to show how we've lost our representation. There was oh, never yeah, any we representation. Absolutely, we, we absolutely. You never had it. That, well, I, 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 I don't disagree with that. However, this really shows it. I'm, it makes I'm it sick crystal and, clear. Yeah. Sickened and disgusted by what, um, what, what happened on Friday because... It's business as usual, though, Mark. That's it, and that's all. Thanks, Frank, for the call. Appreciate hearing from you tonight. And one 800 is the number. They don't read most of the legislation. It's true. How could they? It's, it's, it's impos- not possible. Physically not possible to read this stuff. You're talking about hundreds of pages in many of these uh, pieces of legislation. And many times you only have a day to read it. If that, right. Uh, the well, Patriot Act, I think they had several hours to read hundreds and hundreds of pages. Uh, this thing went from uh, from three pages to 460-something <laughs> pages. In, in a week's time, yeah. It, a, a week's time, from you know from Monday to Friday. Mm, yeah. Now, how could you possibly read all the iterations of this bill to be able to, to vote on it, to know what to toss out, what to put in? Apparently, <laughs> they you know they gave uh, money to Starkist Tuna, to a company that makes wooden arrows, to right. NASCAR, to uh, you know the, the rum manufacturer. Yeah. All they need to know, Mark, all what they need to know is is whether or not the piece of legislation they inserted into the bill is still there. So they put a piece in that says, well, my local uh, area will get $100,000 for a new community pool or to study, uh, study monkeys or whatever it is that they the pork was that they brought home to some politically connected company or organization in their area. All they need to know is that their piece is in and that it's going to pass. Right. That's and all they need to know. In the in the eyes of the representatives, that makes the bill stronger. That's what how they refer to it. These were <laughs> bringing home the bacon. Yes. You know, and I um, I heard and and I don't doubt this that uh, some some there were some Democrats and some Republicans that voted against this. And I'm sure that some of them voted against it on principle because they were trying to represent their constituents. Maybe. However, I've also heard that many of them were um, sort of you know given the buy by the uh, you know the, the administration, whether it's Republican or de- Democrat administration, that the, you know that. They their leaders. Uh, well, the, the reason that they were given the buy, the pass, is for instance, some of them are freshmen, mm-hmm. and they would have more difficult times defending their seats as incumbents. I see. So they were given the opportunity to vote no in order to, you know, even though uh, they were going to pass. You know, obviously the bill was going to pass. They, they yeah. managed to get their votes and, and their ducks in line. They, they they paid off enough of these representatives. They were allowed to bow out. Basically. So they let these uh, many of the freshman representatives, and two of them are here in New Hampshire, and. They both voted no. That's what makes me wonder about this. And, uh, you know, they, they, they managed – so it's, it's sort of yeah. – even more of sneaky. them are in cahoots. Yep, very sneaky. 1-800-259-9231. Uh, we go unscreened to the amp line. Who's this? Hey, good evening, gentlemen. It's Michael in uh, Manchester. Michael from HomelandStupidity.us. What's on your mind tonight? Well, I'm calling you here from uh, Taproom Tuesday. We've got about uh, 45 people here tonight. Nice. And uh, I just wanted to, hey, that's Gardner Goldsmith. Hey, there he is. Up. What are you there calling about? Is, uh, maybe we'll talk to him later. But uh, I, I just wanted to mention uh, we had we had a contestant from Keen show up tonight. Oh, good. Uh, Tim and uh, Anarcho Jesse and Dale showed up from anarchyinyourhead.com. Uh, you probably heard they had a little uh, incident uh, over the weekend in Marlowe. Yes, uh, they were coming home from a party. Uh, a number of free staters, liberty activists here in New Hampshire got together, and they uh, were coming home from that. And they were pulled over by a very arrogant cop who decided to start searching their car even after Tim 
actually stated, he made it very clear, Tim made it very clear that uh, he was not consenting to a search, and this cop decided to go ahead and do it anyway. Yeah, that's what that's what they did. And, uh, well, here's what happened. I'll give you an update, because uh, I don't think they've called in about this yet. Uh, apparently, the Marlowe City Selectman bureaucrats, whatever, had their uh, monthly meeting tonight, mm-hmm. and apparently they take calls over the phone. Yeah. So uh, Tim called in tonight and kind of gave his story of what happened, and he asked them that he wants to see the dashboard cam from this cop's car to see uh, if this cop was, was telling it straight or, or, or lying yeah. for his teeth, which, uh, which is what we suspect. But uh, so I guess they're going to look into that, <laughs> whatever that means. Right, we'll and, get back uh, to you next month when we meet again. Right, you don't even—they don't even vote for these people, so I, I can't imagine that uh, they're, they're going to get a lot of traction. Hang on, Michael. Yeah. If there's more to the story, we'll find out here in moments. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. I was actually surprised because I had called the Marlowe Department to uh, to ask for comment as a member of the media on this issue, and they actually called me back. More on the way. It's Free Talk Live. This program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want. Just dial toll-free 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. That's 1-800-259-9231. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, they're totally free. So enjoy them on us. And those features, by the way, include the Shrine of Female listeners, dozens of ladies who've sent us their validated photo to prove they listen to the show. Head over to shrine.freetalklive.com and see what it's all about. That's shrine.freetalklive.com. More than 35% of IT admins admit to snooping through their boss's email. That's 35%. That's the one that's admit to it. <laughs> Shouldn't your business email be secure? PrivacyHarbor.com is an email alternative that's private and confidential, guaranteed. PrivacyHarbor.com because normal email is not secure. And I, I want to point out another thing is if you're using a Gmail account or something like that to do business and you're, say, a real estate agent or a broker, you know, a, a broker, mortgage broker or something like that, you're competitors are showing up on the right-hand side of the page in the email that you're sending to your clients? No, that's not true. Yeah, it is. That's not true. Only if your clients are using a uh, Gmail-style email service. Oh, I I guess you're you're right. Not you using it, but they would be using it, right? If they're using Gmail, that's true. Okay. Right. So if they're using Gmail. But if you send them this, they'll get this private and secure email on a separate thing where they wouldn't be getting that. That's true. 1-800-259-9231 is the SACL CAI toll-free line for you as we continue here. Uh, there's a, dis- I guess there's a discussion going on in Marlowe, New Hampshire tonight. What happened over the weekend was uh, some of the activists up here, Free State Project members and New Hampshire Liberty activists, I guess just New Hampshire Liberty activists shouldn't even refer them as Free State Project members, because once they move here, they're discredited staters. Anyway, the Liberty activists were driving back from a party where a co- hothead cop decided to pull them over. You know, four young males uh, riding in the same car together. Suspicious. Obviously, obviously, they must be up to something. So the cop pulled them over and began searching the car without 
asking permission to do so. And Tim, the driver of the car, made it very clear to the cop, I don't consent to a search. But that didn't stop this guy. Now, he didn't go all out and tear stuff up from inside the car. So he didn't, go, he didn't go all the way. Well, was it luck or was it the fact that uh, he was up against four people in the same car who knew what their rights were? I think one of the reasons why this cop just wrote them a warning or gave them a warning and went away instead of writing a ticket for some infraction or disorderly conduct or something else, because you know how cops can be. They can go off the handle if they want to. This cop played, you know, wasn't, wasn't as bad as he could have been, I think, because Tim stood up for his rights and he made it known that he did not want to be searched. I don't disagree with that however you you know as well as i do that if that cop had decided to be you know crazy and go off the handle Mm -hmm. really what could we do about it well, we can complain about it, uh-huh. and we can talk about doing it. doing that now. And we can point about it. We can point it out. Yes, a lot of people did call the uh, the town of Marlowe to complain, uh, to to air their grievances here. And uh, the issue that uh, that came forth was they actually returned the calls. I was shocked to uh, to find that somebody had called me this evening from the town of Marlowe because I had called saying I was with Cheshire TV, which is the the uh, the cable access channel here in Cheshire County, and uh, saying I was with Cheshire TV and I'd like to get a comment. From the government people there as to why it is their officer, and apparently they only have one officer, is out there doing illegal searches. So one of the bureaucrats actually got back to me tonight and claimed that the city council or town council would get back to me with a comment. So we'll see if they actually do follow through on that. But interesting that they actually did call back and more, and it does go to show that when you have a small town sort of governmental situations, they are a little more responsive than, say, people at a state level or a national level. And B, it does go to show that pressure does does have something, to, you know, there's something to be said for pressuring these people, because if it had just been Tim who had contacted these folks looking for clarification on what had happened or some looking for them to say something they could have just ignored him and that would have been it but when uh you know 10 or 20 people contact them then they know something is up because the average victim of government doesn't have that level of support behind him so having all of these activists around here is a wonderful thing and uh, michael is uh, still on the line with us from homelandstupidity.us are you still there I am still here, and there's a larger point I want to make that I'll, I'll get to in a minute. But, okay. Uh, uh, for, for Tim and, and Jesse and Dale and, and the people that were – Dave Ridley, I, I swear, and that's part of the larger point. And for the most part, with the with the town of Marlowe there, you've made all the points I really wanted to make. Um, but what I wanted to get at is that happened, and because you've got all these people here who, who watch out for each other and uh, who get involved, uh, things that would happen in another state just don't happen here. Right. Most and, if somebody else, if 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 you or I had been in that same situation in the places that we origin originally came from, then what we would have done is we would have felt relieved that the cop left us alone and gave us a warning, and that would have been the end of the story. Whereas here, the story continues because, like you say, there are people that actually care about abuses like this, and they're willing to take uh, several steps that these steps are not taken anywhere else, are they, Michael? No, they're not, and that that leads me into uh, like I said, they came up here to um, to Manchester tonight for Taproom Tuesday, where we've got probably the biggest gathering of activists in the state right now, and uh, they're not the only ones. Uh, Cynthia, who's who's called into the show before from Dover, who had some trouble with her uh, her vehicle registration. I don't know how that's come out because I'm about two weeks behind on the podcast, but uh, she came up here tonight. 
And it's a, she's it's meeting a, all the activists for the first time. Very cool. And she's just she brought her daughter with her, and, and they're just blown away. They're they're just amazed by, and she's getting the warmest welcome. And that's that kind of gets into the larger point when you come here, and and this is why I think anybody who who wants to get our freedoms back needs to sign up for the Free State Project. Yeah. And get up here as fast as you can. It doesn't matter if you move to the seacoast or Manchester or Keene or the North Country or whatever. Just get up here and get involved because there are people here waiting for you. Whatever you're doing, whether and and you know in Manchester we've got kind of a mix of we've got the political activists and the market-based activists. It's kind of a mix, and they get along. That's good. Surprisingly enough. Well, that's what we find is that in real life, the uh, there is no schism, there is no break between market activism and political activism, but it's, it only really seems to exist on internet forums and that that sort of realm. So I I agree with you that even if there were political activists around here in Keene, there would probably be uh, very little. Uh, there, I don't think there would be animosity between the groups. And I thank you, Michael, for the call. Have fun. It sounds like a good time out there tonight at uh, Taproom Tuesdays down in Manchester, which is sort of a weekly hangout for new. Hampshire Liberty activists, and it just keeps getting bigger and bigger, and uh, we've got our weekly hangout here in the Keene area. They're just, you know, again, just keeps getting bigger. A year ago, we might have had five or ten people. Now it's more like ten to twenty people, so it's it's just, uh, it's incredible having all of these great liberty-minded people get together and brainstorm, and this synergy gets created, and these ideas start coming out. We went to uh, the college yesterday, I think I mentioned this on the air, that we, we'd gone to Keene State College. Some of the activists here in the area showed up. We had signs, and uh, Howard Dean, this Politico guy, Democrat chairman I love or his something. sausages. That sounds kind of dirty. Uh, anyway, uh, so... They da- breakfast sausages. Oh, right. Howard Dean was uh, was here and speaking, and so we went out and we uh, handed out a bunch of flyers, and we held signs up outside the windows of the room that he was speaking in on this college campus, and it was actually a really successful outreach event. We came with a couple hundred flyers at the very least and got rid of all of them. We could have gotten rid of more. And so I was talking with Jesse, one of the activists. He was the guy that came up with the idea to do this, and we're thanking him for finding out about this and and putting it out there, essentially organizing this. He said, well, I didn't really organize anything. I just said this this is when it's happening. And, And I said, well, that's all it takes. When you're around here, when you're around all of these activists, these liberty activists that are just itching for something to do, all you really need to do to make something happen is to just say hey how about this idea anybody game and then people will that are interested in that will step up and they'll say yeah i'm i'm up for that this particular uh, demonstration only involved four of us so it wasn't a huge group of activists but those four people were recruited to come out within a i think it was about a 48 hour period and it was in the middle of the day when most people are working so it was an amazing success, and all it took was for one guy to say, hey, here's the time, here's the date, here's what's happening, here's what I think we should do. Do you want to do it with me? And then uh, people will step up, and they'll join up. It's that easy to put things together here because there are so many activists looking to do things, and, of course, there are more coming. It's Free Talk Live. More on the way. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything if you dial toll-free, 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 
And it's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those. And if you like the show and want to help support Free Talk Live, you can become an amplifier. Just head over to amp.freetalklive.com. Get on board. If you, In fact, you get on board this week by Friday, by whenever I process the amps on Friday, I guess. Uh, if you get on board this week, then there's one man who has pledged to to match your amp dollar for dollar. So if you come on as a gold amplifier at 10 bucks a month, he's going to pony up 10 bucks a month. He's going to increase his current amp. He's currently a platinum amplifier. He's going to increase his current $25 a month amp. Actually, he might even be higher than that. Anyway, he'll increase his amp by the amount that you decide to amp this week. So an extra reason to go and get behind the show and help us promote Free Talk Live. You look confused, Mark. I'm just wondering what metal is better than platinum. Uranium 223? Yeah, I don't know. The, well, the, I mean, they're, they're well, platinum's actually fallen in value. It's oh. kind of close is to it gold, rhodium? isn't it? I think rhodium's actually worth more per ounce. Yeah, I think you might be right. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, you can so you can actually really make your dollar go a lot further because uh, Adam from New York City is going to pony up the same amount that you decide to amp at if you amp this week at amp.freetalklife.com. All the same uh, stipulations normally apply. You'll get access to perks like the amp only call in lines, chat room, forum, and more. And you can feel good because that three bucks a month that you're going to uh, that, that, that's the minimum that we ask for. Uh, that three bucks a month is going to be reinvested into the show, getting us on more radio stations around the country and uh, getting more internet listeners around the world listening to Free Talk Live. So head over to amp.freetalklive.com. As we go to your phone calls, Robert in Pennsylvania, you are on Free Talk Live. How you doing, guys? You're on the amp line, Robert. What's on your mind tonight? Uh, I want to ask you guys what you think about Roe v. Wade and is it possible to be pro-liberty and still support Roe v. Wade, or is that just plain silly? Now, Roe v. Wade is the Supreme Court decision that made it so that the federal government could prevent states from outlawing abortion. Isn't that correct? Essentially. Correct. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't support the federal government. I don't support the idea of... So that's not his question. Government. His question is, is it possible to be pro-liberty? Um, can you see being pro-liberty and um, supporting no, you can't, Roe v. Wade? You can't support government if you're pro-liberty. See, now you're living in Ian's absolute world. That's my answer. You, you know, to Ian, unless unless you uh, you know only say that the you know every form of government is bad, you're anti-liberty. If it's coercive, if it's aggression against one's neighbor, then it's anti-freedom. And well, I'm, I so oppose. What do you that. think, Mark? I, I think Ian's a jerk and uh, doesn't. I'm communic- a jerk because I don't want to aggress against my neighbors. He doesn't communicate uh, liberty well when uh, when you uh, alienate people like this, and it, it, it's pointless. However, I think that. Um, <sighs> You know, I think the Constitution was originally set up to limit the federal government. Um, that's that's some of, that's something that I've heard originally. However, I'd like to believe that the Constitution is there to limit state governments. You know, the federal give the federal government the power to limit state governments in the areas that uh, of the Bill of Rights. And I feel that uh, you, you know that uh, personal liberties in the Bill of Rights uh, enumerate some of them. I think that those uh, personal personal liberties uh, to some extent include. You know, ownership of one's body. And, uh, you know, whereas I think that it is immoral to, uh, to, you know, do abortion. However, I think that there's, you know, that there's some gray areas when it comes in uh, to rape and incest I'm, and things like that. I'm going to have to disagree with you, Mark. The, 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 I mean, the fundamental question is whether abortion uh, constitutes murder and whether it constitutes force. From a, a pro-liberty perspective, I think you should be concerned about that. Um, and for people, even if you think it does, uh, I, I still don't think the federal government has any purview 
over to regulate what constitutes murder and what doesn't. Um, that's you know if you're looking at it from a constitutional perspective, it's a state function. I, personally, I don't want to see the government get involved with abortion. But Roe versus Wade was it was just judicial activism that wrote something into the Constitution that wasn't there. Um, so it, you know it's a touchy subject, and I I think that reasonable people can disagree about when life begins. It's there's no clear answer written out there about the fundamental um, question of whether abortion, you know, is murder or whether it's not, whether there's a gray area. I mean, there's a lot of people who are moderates on the issue. Um, but personally being pro-choice, I still think that Roe versus Wade needs to go. That's not something the federal government Looking should do. I think Mark Roe v. Wade is, um, I, I think I'm, I'm with Nick to some extent hearing him talk about it. I, I I, I think Roe v. Wade is somewhat an, um, anti, uh, you know, unconstitutional. However, I think we got lucky on this one. This is like the one unconstitutional area. I, I, you know, I just, I, I think but that Mark, it should be protected. But Mark, you support secession. You support the idea of secession. So you're saying that as long as a state Wait, is within the federal government, they have to obey these. You things, don't think the they... federal government can possibly, um, you know, be right now and then? I mean, uh, a broken clock is right twice a day, right? Uh, so you're saying that they're right in being able to control the, the state governments? Well, they're but the issue here is they're actually controlling, the, preventing the. I mean, some libertarians would argue they're preventing the state governments from infringing on people's rights. Yes, yeah, so I see where you're coming so, from on that. But as somebody who supports state secession, you support the idea of state sovereignty, and you would support the idea of them being able to simply secede and then create whatever sort of arbitrary uh, rules they want to. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. I, it, I, I still think that that's good because it might make um, some state that's particularly moral want to secede and go out and do their own thing. I think that a state should has the right to secede from the union. Okay. That's all. There you go. Did I, you, you got several answers there, uh, Robert. Your thoughts? I think that. Um Actually, I think I have to agree with um, Ian and, and Nick on this, even though uh, I'm very pro-choice. It's, it's kind of hard for me to let go of Roe v. Wade, but at the same time, I feel like I'm a hypocrite if I support Roe v. Wade, but I want the federal government out of my life. I, I, I have the same struggle because, because you know, being pro-choice, it, it, you know, it's, it's a lot of people – want to obey the Constitution as long as it's convenient for them. And I think that's one of the problems and one of the yeah. reasons that government is not constrained in any way. And to, in the name of consistency. Of yeah. And so I, in the name of consistency, and if you want to call yourself a constitutionalist, um, the way I read the Constitution, you really can't support rulings like this that just kind of add things to the Constitution on the whim of some guys in robes. I mean, the Constitution's pretty straightforward. Um, Ian, you're obvious, I mean, your perspective is that it's not an actual contract since you've never right. signed it. Well, at one time I used to like the idea of the Constitution. I still appreciate some of the, the concepts that are involved in it, but I've come to the conclusion that, yes, it is a, a dead document, essentially, and it's quite clear that the government considers it a dead document but, as well. But you'd have to, I mean, you would agree that having a Constitution, you know, following the Constitution and having a government that, is limited to the extent that the Constitution provides is better than having an unlimited a free state. for all sure right. yeah well absolutely but unfortunately they don't follow that thing so what you could say if you were put into that corner is you could say well you know I support the the woman's uh, right to choose for herself what she does with her own body and I don't support the federal government period so let's talk about secession and then freedom from that point on you can just completely sort of bypass the entire issue by saying you don't support the federal government at all. Just a suggestion. Any other thoughts? No, I think we're good. Thanks, Robert. Appreciate it. And by the way, who supports the federal government? 
If you're listening and you support the federal government, we'd love to hear from you. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Uh, so, hey, by the way, speaking of the Free State Project, earlier we talked about uh, the Free State Project, all these great activists here living already in New Hampshire. Hundreds of people have moved here as early movers as part of the Free State Project, and more are on the way. There are more new people coming in every single week, moving to various different p- uh, parts of the state, getting together, getting active, doing uh, things that really have never been done in the liberty movement ever. And it's so exciting, and there's an exciting opportunity for you to come up, check it all out, see for yourself. You can see that we're not full of hot air on this. This is really happening. Uh, come to the Liberty Forum with us. Go to freestateproject.org slash libertyforum to learn more about it. And, you know, Chris Lawless, the organizer, didn't call to announce all the brand new speakers. So I went to the Liberty Forum's website last night. He's, and been, on, uh, he's, he's been out of town. I know. Busy, busy man. Anyway, they do have one of their uh, keynote speakers has been announced. Did you hear who it was yet? Uh, Richard Heller. Richard Heller from the Heller versus, uh, was it the feds? Who the hell was it? District that? of Columbia. Yeah, the Heller DC. versus D.C., the gun ban case that we talked quite a bit about earlier this year. Richard Heller, the man that brought that case to the Supreme Court, he's a Free State Project member. And he's going to be there uh, doing the Saturday night keynote speech. So anybody that's into gun rights uh, is really going to be into seeing Richard Heller speak, I have a feeling. And he's a free stater, so he's going to be coming here to New Hampshire at some point where he'll actually be able to own the guns he wants to own instead of having to jump through a bunch of hoops in D.C. Well, and those are the kinds of, uh, you know, I'd certainly encourage anybody who cares about freedom and liberty to move. But those are the kinds of activists that a project like this draws in. I yeah, mean, the a, best of the best. Right. Here, I mean, here's a guy who really... Set, you know, he he decided to take this to court, and he really, you know, it was kind of a mixed ruling, but he, they said it was an individual right to own guns for right. really the first time ever. That well, that, that says history. nothing. You know, the ruling says nothing bad about Richard Heller. I mean, it's unfortunate that they didn't right. make a you know a, no, but a more firm it, it, ruling. It, it was still a major step forward because previously they hadn't admitted that. So, yeah, but they also said the government can regulate your right to own guns, yeah. which means that anything goes. One step at a time. Well, anyway, there's a lot going on. Go to the New Hampshire Liberty Forum's website at freestateproject.org/libertyforum. Get signed up while you can still get the early bird discount. And use this code 2009FTL to get extra 10% off. Hour 3 is coming up. It's Free Talk Live. Across the sands of time, from the lands of Abraham to the lands of Julius Caesar, the metals of the earth were forged into the coin of the realm. Now you can own a piece of history with affordable ancient coins from the Greek, Biblical, Roman, and Byzantine eras. Guaranteed authentic by Janus Numismatics. Transport yourself to the distant past at ZeusCoin.com. That's ZeusCoin.com. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show. You can bring up anything, just dial the toll-free number, 1-800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, totally free. So enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. So, lewrockwell.com, Stephen LaTulip has a few things to say about the idea of gold confiscation coming back into favor with the government. Story again from LeRockwell.com. President Franklin D. Roosevelt back in 1933 said this, I, Franklin D. Roosevelt, President of the United States of America, do declare that said national emergency still continues to exist and pursuant to said section to do hereby prohibit, uh, prohibit the hoarding of gold coin, gold bullion, and gold certificates 
within the continental United States by individuals, partnerships, associations, and corporations. Stevens says, well, they went and did it. Proving that they've learned nothing from history, Congress passed the massive $700 billion bailout bill that's allegedly going to save our insolvent banking system. I was hoping against hope that a populist rebellion might somehow stop the oligarchy from helping itself to the taxpayers' wallets. But it was not to be. In the end, the plutocrats got their money. Frankly, the logic behind the House of Representatives' final vote was incomprehensible. When the bill was a straightforward handout to the banks, they rejected it. But after the bill went through the Senate, which added dozens of pork barrel spending projects and granted new Orwellian powers to the IRS, the House approved it. Yeah. I don't know why that's incomprehensible logic. It seems completely uh, the way things operate there there in D.C. That's how it happens. If there's no back-scratching going on, it's not going to get passed. But once everybody gets a little scratching here and there, then uh, they're all for it. They call it log rolling, don't they? Isn't that what uh, Jim Babka says? Uh, over that's when they, yeah, that's when they roll a whole bunch of subjects into one bill. Yep, that's what they did here. Uh, that's Jim Babka, by the way, from DC.org. So, Stephen says, how on earth could anyone rationalize voting for the second bill after they voted against the first one? Beats me. Either way, the government took a fateful step down the road to perdition. This payment won't be the last, since the solvency problem is much bigger than a mere $700 billion. By some accounts, trillions of dollars of bad mortgage-backed paper is sloshing around in the financial system. Most of it has no market, because no one knows if any of it is actually worth anything. What's more, the federal government is bankrupt. By any honest accounting, this year's budget deficit was already heading toward the 600 to 700 billion range. Since the government can't pay its existing bills, where will it get the money for this bailout? Well, I think we all know where it's going to get the money, right? It'll print it. The feds will either have to find new suckers to loan them more money, or they'll have to turn on the printing press and ignite a nasty bout of hyperinflation. But the scary truth is that still more disasters are lurking just over the horizon. First, as Senator Harry Reid let slip the other day, the insurance industry is teetering on the brink. AIG has already gone under, and at least one more major company is allegedly about to give up the ghost. Once that domino falls, who knows how many more will follow. And close on the heels of the insurance meltdown is the impending debacle in commercial real estate. Greenspan's bubble not only inflated residential housing prices far above rational market levels, it also created a similar bubble in office buildings and shopping malls. Many banks and investment houses are just as awash in bad commercial real estate paper as they are in subprime mortgages. Is the federal government going to take on these bad loans too? If that isn't enough to raise the hair on your neck, the horror doesn't stop there. Since most state governments rely heavily on property taxes, their balance sheets are starting to drown in red ink. When housing prices drop by 25 or 30 percent and commercial real estate goes belly up, so do tax receipts. Yet unlike federal government people, the state governments don't control the printing press. They can't inflate their way out of their predicament. Governor Schwarzenegger of California has already asked the feds for a million, multi-billion dollar loan, as we talked about recently on this program. And you can bet he won't be the last governor to ask for such a thing from the feds. Especially not if he gets it. After throwing huge piles of cash at banks and insurance companies, could the feds possibly refuse to rescue a bankrupt state government? Politically speaking, I seriously doubt it. Because after all, then it's critical services that are on the line. If the government doesn't get this, if the Californian government doesn't get this $7 billion influx of cash, then we might have to stop taking people to the hospital and old people will die in the streets. Yep, they'll certainly paint the the, the bleakest of pictures. Also waiting in line at the pig trough is a gaggle of corporations. During last week's chaos... 
Not many folks noticed that the big three auto manufacturers got a multi-billion dollar handout from the taxpayers. And I must say, I didn't notice. Did you guys spot that story? I, I did. Yeah, the $25 billion. It's actually a loan, like interest-free, oh. <laughs> like an interest-free loan. So nice. it's basically subsidizing them, yeah. So now that the, presi- uh, the precedent has been established, look for other industries. The airlines again, for starters, to belly up to the taxpayer's bar for a shot of free liquidity. Can the government possibly do this? Can it absorb the entire residential and commercial real estate losses, bail out dozens of state governments, resuscitate the insurance industry, and hand out cash to unprofitable corporations? Not hardly. At least not without resorting to the printing press, which will set off a tsunami of hyperinflation. As history has shown over and over, governments that spend themselves into a corner will inevitably try to escape their predicament with counterfeit money. And although this scam works in the short run, it causes much bigger problems down the road. Hyperinflation destroys the very basis of economic growth by poisoning the value of money. Without a stable currency, businesses and individuals can't make long-term plans, since no one knows what anything will cost even weeks or months into the future. Which brings us to gold. Libertarians and paleoconservatives have been discussing just such a hyperinflationary scenario for years. And for the most part, the consensus opinion has centered on precious metals. Since governments can't counterfeit metal, gold generally holds its value whenever fiat currency is debased. And you can see over time, you can compare, look at the, uh, you know, the value of the dollar and what the dollar will purchase, and then take a look at an ounce of gold and look what an ounce of gold will purchase, and you will find that you can buy basically the same stuff you can today for an ounce of gold as you could you know, uh, 50 years ago for an ounce of gold. And, and not just 50 years ago. Uh, essentially, an ounce of gold would have bought a fine suit of clothes in Rome uh, yes. when it was at its peak. 2,000 years ago, uh, 3,000 years ago, gold essentially holds its value. It does. Uh, you know, there's ups and downs, but... It, it looks like, I know, Downsize DC, which we had, had mentioned talking about the, the bailout bill and log rolling, um, they actually sent out an email today, and they're signaling some concern about inflation and it looks like they link to GoldSeek, which is a gold investing site and um they're showing the money supply graphs and over the last two weeks it looks like the fed has increased the money supply well it increased its own balance sheet by almost 50 percent so wow. if you look at the charts and i'd seen this last week too with the one week increase um, and it, it'll probably continue. It, it's almost a straight line upwards. In, in the, oh in, man! Like, like it's it's a very it's not a massive amount, but the growth rate is almost straight up. So it's uh, certainly not something so, they were doing a decade ago. No, so they are turning to the printing press already, and you can imagine what they'll do. Right? Because who's going to loan? I mean, is China going to loan more money to the Fed, to federal government? <laughs> I mean, do you want to loan somebody money no. so they can buy up a bunch of bad debt? While this investment strategy, and we're talking about gold here, while investment in gold is a good strategy, it comes with one major risk. The reason governments inflate their currency is to surreptitiously confiscate wealth from those individuals who store their wealth in that currency. And we've explained this many times. That's what inflation really is. People, uh, if, you got, if you just graduated from government high school, you were probably not taught the truth about inflation. You were probably taught that inflation is a natural market-based increase in prices, and that's nonsense. Inflation is an increase in the money supply. Now, higher prices tend to be one of the results of inflating the money supply. 
But let's not confuse things. Inflation is an increase in the money supply, and only the central bank has the ability to do that through its printing presses to be able to just print out as much money as it wants to. And if so they're doing what you're suggesting, Nick, and increasing the money supply by 50% or whatever, then that's going to devalue the money that you might have sitting in your savings account or sitting in your safe or wherever it is you keep your money. Well, yeah, I want to caution. They, they didn't increase the money supply by 50%. They increased their own balance sheet. But it, we're what does probably, that mean? Um, it's the amount of capital, like reserves, that the Fed, basically the Federal Reserve prints its own money for itself. Um, so it's the, I think it's the amount of money that they have on hand. But it's not the total money supply. Didn't you know? I we see. didn't have a fifty percent increase. We that would be, be incredible. We're probably I, we could be headed in that direction of fifty percent inflation. Probably. Well, however much they inflate is what they're stealing from your pocket. Right. If you have Federal Reserve notes and having gold and silver and avoids that theft. Uh, the gold and silver cannot be inflated. It cannot be inflated. So there's only one way government can combat this, and we'll come back and discuss that. It's confiscation. So will we be seeing this happening within the next decade or so? Maybe within the next four years? 1-800-259-9231. And if they do decide to confiscate gold, what's your plan? If you want to share it with us, 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. You can bring up anything. And what other things should one invest in besides gold and silver? It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything if you dial toll-free, 1-800-259-9231, the Sickle CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site we give away. Those other talk show hosts, they want to charge you for accessing their websites. Ours is free, so enjoy that. And those uh, free features include the bulletin board system, over 400,000 posts. There's an awful lot to talk about there. Head over, get interactive for free at bbs.freetalklive.com. If you have a company that uh, needs to try something new in the area of collections, SACL CAI does collections, early out billing, and they purchase charged-off receivables. SACL's employees are trained in resolving issues for your customers and treating them with respect. They know that not only do you want to collect your money, but you want to keep your clients, too. SACL CAI. You can see their banner at freetalklive.com. And do business with businesses that support Free Talk Live. All right, 800-259-9231 is our number. By the way, don't forget to join Nick and his co-host Toby over on their show, Free Minds TV and Free Minds Radio. In fact, you can see the latest episode of Free Minds TV right on the front page of our website, uh, at least at this time, freetalklive.com, where you guys very graciously had me on your program for the entire show last week to talk about uh, non-cooperation and civil disobedience and some of the stuff that's going on here uh, in New Hampshire, the latest on my couch situation and all that. So you can see that uh, at Free freetalklive.com, but better yet, go to freemindstv.com to get all of their archives and to uh, get access to their radio show, Free Minds Radio, which is brand new. Uh, Actually, it's brand new on the radio. You guys have been doing the podcast for quite a while, and you're in your third, you just finished your third week of real radio broadcasting. Real terrestrial broadcasting. Yeah, Yeah. it's working out pretty well for you so far. So if you haven't listened to their radio show yet, you can catch it live right on the Free Talk Live streams on Sundays, Sunday afternoons, Eastern Time from 3 to 5 o'clock, or just go to freemindsradio.com and grab the archives, grab the podcast there. Yeah. So, uh, more pro-liberty content for your consuming pleasure. Yeah, and it was great having you on the show, because there was a lot of civil disobedience to talk about. Not just your couch case, but just there was a lot going on in Keene for an area this small. It's surprising even to me, even seeing this happen in the past, 
just how much civil disobedience has taken place over the last couple of weeks. Sure is exciting. And coming up, you may, if you're somebody who owns gold, silver, platinum, other precious metals, you may be engaging in civil disobedience simply by owning uh, such things, I guess. uh, I don't know. Is it technically civil disobedience if you're not doing it publicly? No. I think civil disobedience is really if you're doing it to make a point and you're willing to go to jail. You may go to jail. You'll be breaking the law. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You'll become a criminal, basically, uh, if they decide to outlaw gold again, if they decide to confiscate gold. And and Stephen Latulip over at LouRockwell.com is positing that it's very well possible. I mean, they've been talking about out right out um, on Front Street. They've been talking about how this $700 billion bank bailout is, you know, the first time they've had to do such a thing since back in the 1930s. And it was back in the 1930s when they decided to to uh, confiscate people's gold, so it's very possible that they could be taking that step soon, especially if what we're looking at here is more bailouts resulting in more inflation of the money supply, maybe perhaps even crossing the line, wherever that line is, into hyperinflation. I'm not sure what... Where the difference is, where's the dividing uh, line between inflation and hyperinflation? It's, it's, a, it's an actual limit. I think it's like 100% a year. There's an actual percentage mm-hmm. per year that is, uh, or within a certain amount per Go to wikipedia.com, yeah. search hyperinflation. Yeah, it'll right. tell you. I've, I don't remember the number, but that's where I looked it up. So, but, so if they keep uh, inflating the money supply, which they're going to do, more people are going to come across the message that, hey, or they're going to get it. From whatever source they get it, that they're losing their money. Even though the bank account number still seems to be the same number, they're losing their money and that the value is going down of those dollars Prices in their bank Prices will be going account. up in order to uh, right. you know, make it worth selling things. So people are going to get a clue eventually that buying stuff like gold and silver could help them protect their value. And the government's not going to like that very much because the entire government system, it's very important that people use their money, See, not metal. Right. In the situation of uh, legal tender, this is where legal tender gets its insidiousness. Um, generally, people will accept Federal Reserve notes because, well, they want them. Because other people do. I want them. No doubt. Right. But... When it comes down to a hyperinflation situation, that's when they don't. They mm-hmm. want other com- uh, other countries' uh, you know, uh, notes. Give me or they can use. Yeah, or they want uh, gold and silver or things like that. And because it's legal tender, they have to accept it. So then, or else. Yeah, th- then you're setting up a situation where they're raising their prices, and uh, you know it gets very difficult for a person to make a living because. If you wait until tomorrow to spend your paycheck, it's not worth anything. And sadly, it doesn't look like there's going to be a whole lot of safe currencies. You know, if if you don't want to go into gold and silver for whatever reason, it doesn't look like it's going to be very practical. They're because, all inflating. Right. The, the other They're working banks, together right the now. The euro's yeah. inflating. Even the Swiss franc, which people think of Switzerland as some kind of refuge. Well, the, the Swiss are inflating, too. So where do you turn? There's... Not many places to go You've except gotta go to real gold money. and silver. So let's get back to the story here. He points out that the reason governments inflate currency is to surreptitiously confiscate wealth from those individuals who store their wealth in that currency. So if too many citizens shield their wealth by investing in gold, they nullify the entire scam. Inflation works because citizens are forced by legal tender laws that Mark was just talking about to store their wealth in a medium controlled by the government. As a government counterfeits its currency, it sucks wealth from all of those people who hold that currency. And the government can't tolerate too many of its citizens successfully evading inflationary confiscation. In a worst-case scenario, a headlong rush into gold would destroy the dollar completely, as individuals replaced it with gold as a medium of wealth storage and exchange. This cannot be permitted under any circumstances, since it would undermine the very foundations of the governing elite's power. 
That is not to say that hyperinflation is the government's only option. When faced with bankruptcy, the government could behave responsibly. It could bring its expenditures into balance with its revenue. It could slash the welfare state, defund the military-industrial complex. When you look at how much the government spends on an annual basis, if they just shut some things down for a year, we'd take care of uh, this this, uh, financial problem we have. Just shut some things down for a year. But they'd never do that. But they don't even have to shut anything down for you. They could just withdraw their forces from the overseas empire and right. you know slash the slash the military. <laughs> bring the tro- bring the troops home. Let them go to work in uh, in in real jobs where they create things instead yep. of blowing crap up. Uh, you know, put the put the ships in the harbor. But that's keep a reasonable. some kind of skeleton crew in order right. to keep the nation safe. If one must do such a thing, I don't recommend that. But you know, fine. Those are reasonable suggestions, Mark. And as uh, Talip points out, unfortunately, from the plutocracy's perspective, such a policy would also massively undermine its power and therefore is completely unacceptable. So if responsible management of public finances is a non-starter, the only other alternative is to rescue the dollar by banning private citizens from buying or owning gold. Given these two options, does anyone doubt which one the government will choose? If history is any guide, those individuals who have correctly predicted that the government's policies will end in in disaster and who heavily invest in gold will be demonized as hoarders and extremists. In keeping with the theme of our age, such investors might even be accused of terrorism, which in a twisted way makes sense. After all, if the government's going to continue to fight the war on terror, it does need money, and the only way it can get money is by confiscating gold, and those who resist the confiscation are therefore aiding and abetting terrorism. Ominously, this logic would permit the government to invoke the Patriot Act and the infamous Military Commissions Act. In practice, actual confiscation would be easy. Most gold is held in ETFs. Now, I don't know what that stands for, so perhaps someone could check that for me. Or bank vaults. The government could simply order these institutions to hand their gold over to the U.S. Treasury. In return, the depositors would be issued compensation in the form of increasingly worthless Federal Reserve notes, and probably at an exchange rate that heavily favors the government. After all, the feds couldn't allow hoarders to make windfall profits. 800-259-9231 is the SACL CAI toll-free line. If they come for gold, what are you going to do? What's your plan? Do you have one? Do you have gold? (laughs) This is Free Talk Live. Or silver. That counts, too. Free Talk Live, you take control. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything if you dial toll-free, 1-800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site we give away, and we invite you to get signed up for the updates. Whenever we've got something to announce about Free Talk Live, you'll know first if you're on the updates list. So head over to updates.freetalklive.com. Get on it. Free. That's updates.freetalklive.com. IHS, the uh, Institute for Humane Studies, is looking for libertarian students and recent graduates interested in careers in movie, films, animation, video game production for their spring, summer, and fall internships. All positions are paid and include participation in a career workshop. For more information, go to libertarianinternships.com, $2,000 stipend, housing and travel allowance, tuition and travel assistance, books, uh, networking opportunities, placement. I mean, they do everything for you, libertarianinternships.com. So how much will history repeat itself here? We're talking about the possibility that gold could be confiscated again here in this country. It happened back in the 30s. 
And what also happened back in the 30s was a big bailout, and they've been talking about how the bailout is very similar to what happened in the 30s. Will we be seeing gold confiscation again here soon as the government continues to inflate the money supply and more people continue to bail out from the Federal Reserve note and get into gold and silver themselves, start hoarding, as it will be called, gold and silver, so they can actually have some real value in the event of a hyperinflation situation. The government might just step in and decide to confiscate that gold. It's true. I, I'm wondering if the silver might not be a safer bet in some sense. Um, silver, Did they not confiscate silver in the, uh, in the past? I don't believe they have. Oh, uh, we've had go. gold confiscation, but I don't believe there's been silver confiscation. And silver doesn't quite have... Yeah. Money interests don't view silver quite the same way. It's, I mean, it's a precious metal, and it does hold its value, but banks don't seem to trade in silver as much from what I've seen, and hedge funds don't mm. seem to look at it. It's treated more as a true commodity, whereas gold is looked at as something that has you know monetary value unto itself mm. beyond just its commodity value you know it's it's raw material value interesting suggestion perhaps getting into silver i mean for, certainly for somebody with less uh disposable income silver is the way to go simply because you can afford it uh so i i like silver a lot let's continue though with a little bit a little bit more from mr stephen la tulip over at lerockwell.com talking about how the government would actually go about confiscating the gold see he says most gold is held in etfs now you guys figured out what that was right exchange transfer funds uh, and exchange traded fund traded it's, funds. it's an investment vehicle it's essentially it's like gold stock basically it's a paper note that's indexed to so the it's gold basically features. like the, so it's kind of like maybe the liberty dollar where you have a certificate that says you have this amount of gold it's not a warehouse receipt it's no. A, it's uh, no, you it, get it's shares like, right it's like it's like futures you're basically trading gold futures um which are just bets on the futures are just bets on where the price of gold is going to be so, so you don't you don't really even own gold no you own gold futures which no. is basically you <laughs> own a piece of paper that's tied to speculation about the future Price gotcha. of gold. So they could go and take the gold from those companies that are doing that sort of stuff. Right. They could go to bank vaults. And as we suggested earlier on the show tonight, if you've got a safe deposit box, if it's in a bank, that is at risk. Whatever it is that you have in there of value is at risk in the event of a confiscation situation. So you want to get, if you've got gold in a safe deposit box, get the hell out, buy yourself a safe, put it in your basement. I mean, you'd be better off there than you would in your bank's safe deposit box. Perhaps in the uh, basement of a trusted friend or family member. Bolt that sucker down to the floor, and it'll be very difficult for any common crooks to get it, you know, to actually take that safe out of there. And so he says that so it would be easy for the government to do this. Uh, they could simply order these institutions to hand it over. And we know that these government, these banks are completely obedient when it comes to uh, being ordered around by the state. I mean, they exist at the pleasure of the state. The state allows them to do their business. So, of course, when the state agents come in, whether it's the IRS or it's the guys that are confiscating gold, whatever it is the state demands from banks, they will jump through whatever the hoops they put up. And if it's your money that's at risk, it doesn't matter because they, the bank wants to stay in business and they have to do whatever the feds say to do. So they'll give up your gold and they'll say, sorry, here's a, you know, here's a check for some Federal Reserve notes. I do think that there are um, – I, I think that there are safe deposit boxes – some safe deposit boxes that are safer than others. Why? Why do I think that? You well, think that some bank manager is going to say no to uh, the federal government when they walk through their doors? I think that there are some that are safer you than others. You find me that manager. I'd like to meet him in person and give him some of my business. 
Do you have a, you know this person? Is I there a not. person who actually exists? Okay, you don't know anything then about that because those well, bank you don't managers know anything are either. You're just, yeah, just I know they'll roll right over. No, I'm not making assumptions because I, that's I agree what with you that businesses will roll over. Yeah. I agree with you that businesses will will right. roll over. A, However, right. perhaps they can create a vault that will you know not allow them to roll over. Well, Make if it they're more working, difficult if for them to roll if over. If they're a bank that exists at the uh, the pleasure of the federal government, as every bank I've ever encountered does, then it won't be difficult at all. If the DEA walks into your bank tomorrow and says you've been accused of uh, dealing cocaine, we need to see inside his safe deposit box. Bank manager is going to shrug his shoulders and say, think that your chances dokey. are very good. Okie dokie, whatever you say, officer, just let me see your badge. Yep, okay, real fed. Okay, well, let's walk right in here and see what he's got. Anyway, the citizens who actually hold physical gold would be somewhat more problematic. They would be presumably given a grace period to hand over their stash. After that, the feds might have to get a bit rough. Since many folks would probably try to hide their gold, President Obama would ultimately have no choice but to send federal agents into the countryside and seize it. Given the recent demise of quaint Anglo-Saxon legalism, such as search warrants and habeas corpus, this enterprise might not be as difficult as one might think. And maybe this could be a job for those creepy Mugabe-style youth brigades that have been popping up around the country. I realize that a potentially violent government seizure of private property seems far-fetched or even apocalyptic. But those who dismiss it out of hand should remember their history. After all, the federal government has done it before. 1-800-259-9231. Your thoughts on gold confiscation. What will you do if it becomes a reality? Uh, let's go to your calls. Ter- uh, Jeremy in Tennessee, you are on Free Talk Live. Hello, Jeremy. How you doing? Hey, what's on your mind? Well, you know, <clears throat> my mom's a college professor, and uh, my dad, uh, he went to college. He got a master's degree. He he kind of was ostracized my entire life. I kind of grew up thinking my country was the best country. kind of grew up on Rambo. I'm in my 30s, you know? Sure. Uh, I'm a soldier myself, and uh, he's been storing gold up. Uh, he actually gave me all his, uh, most of his gold. I don't know if, if his wow. gold was private, but I know that I just listened to him and been buying gold even from Midas before I even kind of got into this, uh, you know, truth movement thing, uh, because my dad did business with him before. But as far as I know, isn't that, isn't that Midas research? Isn't most of that gold private gold? I don't know about Midas's business. Um, I have bought gold through them. Uh, when you say before. private gold, what do you mean? It's like private citizen gold. Like they can't really track it to find out if you have it. I don't know what kind of records Midas keeps. I, I don't know either. However, well, I would bet. Um, I would bet. Just about everything that I have that Ted makes it as difficult as would make it yeah. as difficult as possible for um, you know somebody to for the federal government to track where the gold went. I you know yeah. I mean that's I the mean, kind of I, guy he is. I spoke to uh, I never really dealt with uh, Ted. I usually deal with Mr. Hubner on the phone, and uh, he told me that if you buy like certain things that the government tracks and the other things they don't track. You know, that's a good question for Ted, and we don't have him on the show tonight. I may try to call him during uh, a break and see if we can – I don't know if it's too late to call him up to see if we can get a quick answer to that question because I, okay. I personally just bought some gold from uh, from Midas this week, MidasResources.com, uh, of course. Midas is the owner of the Genesis Communications Network. They right. are the company that syndicates this program and has been syndicating us for now over uh, – we're entering in our, into our fifth year of syndication. So uh, if you guys are looking to get your hands on some gold, then Midas – Midas is the way to go for that. And I've done it. I believe they sell silver over at Midas as well. I think so, too. So yeah, they touch. do. I bought some from them as well. And were you satisfied with uh, your purchases? Oh, yeah, I was fine uh, with them. I was just thinking that uh, if I bought private gold, I, I don't see how they could legally take, take – I mean, I know it could happen. I'm not one of these people that think it's far-fetched. I mean, I'm seeing – you know, I've seen $4 – 
you know, a gallon gas. I've seen uh, all this crazy stuff, Patriot Act, you know, done. People getting arrested for not liking Obama. I've seen a lot of crazy stuff, so I don't. I, I, I do believe that they would come to your home and take your your gold. I'm just. Yeah, and the way they would find out is if they went and they raided the various different gold dealers like Midas and stole whatever records they keep and then followed up on those records. Uh, Either way, they're not going to do that right off the bat. They're going to go for the central storage locations like the Liberty Dollar or other various entities that might be warehousing gold. They're going to snatch that first. You're probably going to get news about that, and you'll have enough time, most likely, to really secure your gold in whatever way you think is best. And we'll check in with Ted Anderson from Midas Resources to find out what sort of privacy policies they have in effect over there. More on the way. Thank you for the call. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number at 1-800-259-9231, the SACL-CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, Free Talk Live. Dot com. If you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, we would love for you to shop with us at Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. Enter Amazon through that link. Free Talk Live will get a percentage of your purchase. Whatever it is you're buying, new items, used items, over 41 categories uh, that you can shop in and you'll be satisfied because you're going to get the brand names you trust at great prices, free super saver shipping. You know Amazon. They're great. So shop through Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com and Free Talk Live will get a cut. Now, speaking of other ways to get Free Talk Live a cut, if you're looking to go out and get yourself some gold, Midas Resources is, of course, uh, the one of the prime sponsors of this program in that they are the owners of the Genesis Communications Radio Network, our wonderful syndicate that has been uh, putting Free Talk Live out there for other radio stations to put on the air for going on over five years now at this point. And we actually have Ted Anderson, the uh, the owner, the man behind the entire organization. He is on the line with us. Ted, sorry to call you so late in the evening. I know you've got a family and you probably would rather uh, have your night to yourself, but we had a really critical question and I think a really good question come up about uh, business practices over at Midas Resources. So can I put you on the spot? Oh, yeah, go ahead. That's just fine. We've been talking about the idea that the federal government, of course, we know that they've confiscated gold in the past. And as we're seeing these uh, these bailouts, these 700 billion, who knows what's to come next? Uh, we know they're going to be inflating the money supply in order to do this. There's a very good chance that they may decide to, co- uh, to confiscate gold again. And so uh, I think it was a listener that brought up the question. Well, what if they trace my purchases? Can uh, if I buy from Midas Resources, can the feds come in, raid Midas, and get all your uh, your records and go after your customers? What kind of privacy uh, methods have you guys been taking uh, down there at Midas? Well, I mean, the first thing you want to do is make sure that you don't get. There's a Drug and Money Laundering Act that that uh, if you're purchasing from any dealer, it doesn't matter whether if it's Midas or any gold and silver dealer in the United States, you don't want to be doing transactions in the form of cash that exceed $10,000, nor do you want to use cash equivalents like money orders, money market checks, that kind of thing, that up, that up to or exceed $10,000. Uh, really, the best way to do it is to just make sure that you're buying the things. I would use a wire or personal check. Then when you buy it, you put it away, and you don't put it in an obvious place. Uh, yes, indeed, if somebody, if the government came in and raided Midas Resources Incorporated, and they were able to find out that there was a purchase that was made by an individual customer somewhere, they might come and ask you, well, do you have this gold and silver? And in, in, in that particular point, you could say, yeah, no, I've spent that gold and silver, or I've given it away 
said whatever you wanted to say that you did with it. Plus, also, we're not required to, to have, uh, uh, you know, Social Security numbers, that kind of thing, as long as it's outside of the Drug and Money Laundering Act. And if you're Joe Smith, well, who knows if it's you, Joe Smith, or some other Joe Smith. Um, you know, we're not required to take any particular personal name, that kind of thing. Some people use abbreviated things. Depends upon how private you want to be. I mean, obviously, we got to ship it to somebody, you know, and so mm-hmm. literally there always is some sort of point of track record. You know, it's hard to get away from that 100%, but, uh, but it is much better than, in, in my eyes, and walking into some coin dealer somewhere where somebody can see you walking up with a box, and I think you just ask them for trouble that way. Here's my question, Ted. If you, uh, you know, if you catch wind that all of a sudden there's confiscations going on, would you have the ability to wipe your records clean? Would you have that ability? Well, you know, I've got the ability to wipe my records clean, but then again, you know, if you're using delivery services and that kind of thing, you might be able to wipe my records clean, but then the post office, UPS, FedEx, mm-hmm. all these other guys, I mean, it's it's kind of hard to go with that. I mean, the main thing is is that you take physical possession and you put it somewhere where nobody can find it. Right. Yeah, you it's know? really your and, responsibility and, as the uh, the holder of the gold to do what you need to do to keep it safe. And, you know, as far as uh, them coming door to door, don't open the door. I mean, this is one of the things we've talked about uh, with Barry Cooper from NeverGetBusted.com. He's a former law enforcement officer, and he, he'll tell you straight out, if the cops come to your house and they're knocking on your front door, it's not like the movies. You don't have any obligation to actually go and talk to these guys. So one of the first things that's going to get you in trouble is talking to these people because then they'll ask you questions they'll be intimidating and if you if you don't have a good story cooked up you could get caught in a lie and then you're in even more trouble ted i've got another question um the now the, the difference between bullion and numismatics uh, real quickly is uh, you know for people is basically bullion is new coins and numismatics are old coins collectible do you think it is it what happened in the the 30s when they confiscated gold as far as numismatics went and what would be likely to happen as far as collectible coins uh if they were to do some sort of confiscation well let me explain how it happened in 1933 i mean franklin delano roosevelt was faced with the problem of the banking system failing at that point in time the obligation to the banks was to pay the depositors in gold when they were when they demanded it Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, the Federal Reserve notes at that period, it was still were Federal Reserve notes, but the notes were redeemable in gold and silver. Mm-hmm. So that's what the banks were due to pay. And the banks were going to Franklin Delano Roosevelt and said, hey, you know, we have this fractional reserve banking thing, and there's just simply not enough gold and silver to go around, and you got to solve this problem for us because everybody wants their money. There's not enough money to go around. Money supply is crashing and crumbling. There's not enough money to go around. There's certainly not enough gold and silver to back the notes. And so Franklin Delano Roosevelt did that. He confiscated gold, took the liability off the banks, and put it on the shoulders of the people. At that point in time, the people were forced to turn their money, their gold that they had in storage, back over to the to the Federal Reserve Bank branches or agencies with a $10,000 fine and or 10 years imprisonment as a penalty if they don't. So basically, just Jeez. reverse that liability. So that was a that was a criminal thing in the first place. And and uh, and and the and the second thing is, could that happen again? Yes, indeed. Uh, the reason why they didn't confiscate gold collector coins is because of the eminent domain clause of the Constitution, which we certainly have covered that plenty of times on this network. Mm-hmm. Eminent domain reads like this: It says, "Nor shall private property be taken by the government for public use without just compensation." And in order to confiscate collectible coins, they had to go out and figure out what the premium would be for this 
very individual coin, whereas if they took bullion gold, they just put a set price on them, which is what their purpose was. They went, they went out and put a set price at $22.36 an ounce, and they forced the people to, you know, to turn in their gold at that price. And then if you had a coin that was recognized as a collector coin, then you could keep it. And that's the way huh. it reads in, under Section 2B of the Executive Order of 1933. It might not play out that way, though. It today. might not play out that way, but it does seem to me like there's a better chance of keeping your gold if it's in the form of numismatics. And this is one of the reasons that I chose to get the type of gold that I got. Um, and there's, there's, you know, I, I, specifically what I got were uh, some British coins. I can't remember. Sovereigns. British Sovereigns. Yeah, they're quarter of an ounce piece of gold, but they're like 100 years old. That's one so, of the things that you specialize in at Midas, right, as numismatics, Ted? Oh, yeah, we specialize in numismatics, but we also sell an awful lot of bullion, too. I mean, because people want to have gold for other reasons. Some believe that, you know, I'm just going to get the bullion, and I'll have the gun here to sit, you know, they're going to have to pry it out of my my dead, cold hand. I'm, I'm, I, I understand that, but you know the, the fact is the sovereigns were essentially spot price. I mean, they were very close. Pretty close. Yeah. You would have. I mean, if you would have got a 2,000 Krugerrand, uh, you likely would have paid a premium for the minting of it, and and the sovereigns were essentially the same the same price. I have to say, I'm excited. I bought some gold for the very first time from Midas uh, last week, and I'm excited to to uh, finally get my hands on some of it. So I'm looking forward to reporting good things to our listeners here, Ted. And we do have to get to some more calls, but Those I want to make sure I got the information straight here for our listeners that might be interested in also ordering some gold or, or silver. And you guys also do platinum at Midas? Yeah, we do. Have, we have platinum, we have rhodium, we have palladium. Anything that's done in coin form and in precious metals, we have it. They can get in touch um, with you and your brokers. They're very friendly folks uh, at 1-800-686-2237. That's 800 686 Two two three seven, and tell them uh, when you're placing your order. Tell them you heard about it on Free Talk Live, and you'll send us a percentage of the sale, Ted, for sending you the sale, which I think is really awesome, and I appreciate that. Yeah, of course, and we appreciate what you're doing too. I mean, uh, you know, we're carrying the message forward. It costs a lot of money to do this, and and you guys deserve to have something for what you do. And we certainly are going to take care of you. That's Thanks, that's Ted. I appreciate it. We'll keep uh, sending our listeners your way, and have a great night. I appreciate you coming on on short notice like this. Yeah, not a problem. Thanks Good night, Ted. Thank you. Let's go quickly to Michael in New Mexico. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Michael. Yeah, hi, Jeff and, and your guest. And Nobody here named having... Jeff. My name's Ian. Mark's here. Nick is here as well. This is Free Talk I'm Live. Okay, I'm, I'm sorry, Ian. Go ahead. Uh, Ian, uh, I'd like to suggest that anybody that's listening to this program has something to hide. They have food stored. They have gold stored. They have books. They have things that the government will consider you uh, a, a terrorist for. And an interesting thing in the Gulag Archipelago... I'd like to suggest you only have about 20 seconds to tell us okay. whatever it is you got. Go. In the Gulag Archipelago, Solzhenitsyn said the Russians had a flaw. When they knocked, came on the door, they opened it, they put their hands out, the yep. cuffs went on, and they walked away. He said if they had just resisted... If those people thought that they might not come home at the end of the day, it would have been entirely different. They would have behaved differently. Great point. I thank Mm. you for wrapping that up for us. And it has been Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. Back tomorrow night. Join us online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. This November, support the real libertarian. Support George Phillies for president. George wants Uncle Sam out of your wallet, bedroom, and gun locker. This November, send Henry Paulson and those congressional bailout crooks a message. Vote Libertarian. In New Hampshire, vote Phillies for President. 
Donate at ChooseGeorge.org. That's ChooseGeorge.org. Paid for by Phillies 2008. This is George Phillies, Libertarian for President. I approved of this message. 